Well, I guess first of all, how's everybody doing? Good. 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 All right. Uh, I guess second of all, are people consuming alcohol? Yes. yes. Okay. Because no. um, no. that goes with not being able to see perfectly. <laughs> right. <laughs> Perfect. Okay. Uh, third. Does anyone want to share what they're drinking? Sure. Do you want me to actually share or you want me to just answer that question? Uh, no, I just want you to answer the question. Um, okay. Yeah, no. <laughs> yeah. What are, what are you drinking? Cherry vanilla bourbon. Nice. Oof. I'm doing a Negroni. Negroni. Very nice. And lemonade zero for me. Lemonade zero, right? Okay. Uh, I just have like carbonated water. Okay. Tummy problems. Oh, no. That was just spicy food and exercise. I just. That's why you always choose the spicy food and leave out the exercise. That's right. Okay, so yeah, uh, Jesse, everybody's just sort of taking a quick look at their characters. Um, if you wanted, one thing I didn't do is I didn't give anybody any equipment. Um, so if you wanted to give yourself like 3,000 bucks, uh, you're allowed to pick a weapon and some general items that sort of fit your character and skills for free. And then if there's anything extra you wanted. What would we be expecting? So uh, in terms of like, are are we going into the the shit kind of thing, or are we? Yeah, it's a bug hunt. <laughs> yeah. So, and we can, you know, this will come up a little bit as we go on. But this isn't like uh, you're going in there the clear the station combat style. Uh, the basic premise, uh, let's see, for you, is you're a disgraced MIT professor who was caught falsifying data, and. Uh, you were sort of given a second chance by Elevation uh, to do some more research. And part of being a uh, like new to the organization is everybody gets to sort of their part of their orientation is you get to see Farsight Station, sort of the crown jewel of Elevation's efforts. Um, okay. So let's see for Duck. Uh, you are officially, according to your backstory, as is you officially joined uh, Elevation because you want to. You've heard rumors that there might be some uh, some good mining opportunities further out into the solar system, and Elevation is the furthest point out. Oh, so, yeah. yeah, yeah. So that's that. Uh, <laughs> let's see the uh, Pete for Surya. You are also an employee of Elevation. Uh, I didn't write that down, but, you know, they, you know, medic staff is just part of the, you know, support staff that they need. Yeah. Uh, and then I'll let uh, Caleb and <laughs> Backdoor um, tell us why they're here, especially Backdoor. Uh, <clears throat> publicly, I'm here because, well, humans can be noble question is will we put forth what is necessary uh but really he's just here to subvert uh elevation because um basically any kind of actual science and proof of existence will undermine the entire teachings of uh dr mac <laughs> proof of existence of what well the whole the whole premise behind Primaxium is that there's a living universal life force that flows through all of us and we just have to purge our uh, human projections to embrace the life, fo life force and uh, travel uh, to tune our bodies with the life force but that's the only other life force 
So, Dr. Calder, how do you feel about that? Uh, um, what a load of malarkey. What laser lotus level are you? <laughs> Dr. Patil, as a doctor, how do you feel about that? I, I, I was kind of, when I, when I first was reading this stuff on kind of thinking Scientology, so I was kind of, yeah, no, I, I, I would say that my character would be completely on board with that. Okay. But and, she's not going not gonna, to you know, get in somebody's face for that. She, that's not her personality. Okay. And then, Caleb, tell us about uh, Jung Hee. Uh, Jung Hee is a representative for the satellite state of Korea, which is part of the, I guess what is referred to as China arm, the China arm of the nations that exist now. She is at elevation to work to see how the state of Korea could be of assistance to this trans corporation's aims. Nice. That's your story, at least. <laughs> <laughs> so, I don't um, like that motherfucker. <laughs> so this is the kind of stuff I imagine you are... Uh, is there any more equipment that anybody needs to do? Anything like that that we need to take care of? I'll just add it in when I need it later. Okay. Anybody have any <laughs> questions about their sheets before we jump in? No, I'm good to go. All right. Then I'm going to close these out. Uh, so... <clears throat> I imagine this is the kind of things you guys were discussing on your six hour uh, rift jump from uh, the inner planets around Earth out to uh, the moon Triton around Neptune. So the the way things work here, uh, uh, you do a rift jump um, with the sort of advent of fusion engines and technology sort of broke away from the, the shackles of mere rocketry and uh, the amount of excess energy created through fusion generators allowed them to play around with different things. And one of the things they were able to do is to create short-term, short-distance, relatively speaking, uh, semi-stable wormholes to do, um, I guess you would call it faster than light travel, but it's basically lets you get out from Earth to, you know, Triton in a, you know, half a day, eight hours or so, instead of like the weeks it might take if you're traveling like at 1G, 2G or something like that. Um, so you have just completed your jump. I imagine during the time you guys were arguing over the, the merits of sweatbands and life forces and, uh, mm -hmm. things like that. And so the first thing I need everybody to do is to give me an endurance check. Okay. That's going to be terrible for me. So if you, yeah, if you go to your character sheet, you just click endurance and it's a, it's a normal endurance check, a standard check. Crap. You should have all joined me on the racquetball court. <laughs> so what do we got? Um, Give me a second. I think my... I'm a little behind. <laughs> Endurance. All right. So I did something dumb, Art, and exited myself out of Foundry for some reason. Now okay. it's not letting me back in. Uh, let's see. Um, you might need to... Did you try turning it off and back on again? <laughs> yeah. Oh, shit. <laughs> I did. Shots well, fired? I might have to uh, turn off the computer again. <laughs> All right. Um, did you pass? Yeah, it looks like you dropped out. So GM David, William, Doctor. Yeah, okay, I'm out so... too. Let me see if I got to reconnect this thing. Okay. Do, 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 do. Did it like once or twice while I was making the character, and I just like reloaded the URL and it was fine. Okay. So I'm trying that right now. 
So, uh, Dr. Calder, uh, Jesse, give yourself one um, on the front part of your sheet. There should be a fatigue drop-down box. Drop it from fresh to winded. Uh, anyone who failed the test, do the same. Drop standard. your fatigue. From, yeah, from and it's a standard check. So if you failed at the standard level, drop from fresh to winded. <sighs> I'm a little embarrassed. Yeah, so what happens is basically you got car sick. Um, you know, rift travel is not something that everybody does all the time. Uh, so the process of it can still be a little jarring. And that's what happened. You come out of it a little green. I'm betting I'm going to fail. If, not if you wear the embrace of shark loot to guide your travels <laughs> across the solar system, brothers. Did Matt pass? He did. <laughs> so let me I find by meditating, I can sh shrink myself to play Clue inside a giraffe's kidney. I wish that was my own, but that's uh, that's a Scientology YouTube video out there. <laughs> how how did he make it through uh through HR? <laughs> <laughs> so I, I yeah so basically um in in i don't know if we got into this but yeah uh dr mac elbert is here sort of as a goodwill ambassadorship kind of program where like they invite the skeptics out like hey let's stop fighting on twitter let's you know let's meet you can see what we're about and you know let's see if we can get some public goodwill for both of our groups so that's why dr mac is here also, I, I feel that I can be a great resource to Elevation with my expertise in astrology and <laughs> universal life forces. You are aboard a ship called the Star Seeker, and you've just made your jump. And so there you are. You're sort of <clears throat> in the converted cargo bay area to, you know, handle some passengers, sort of like how in the military they put the seats along the sides to you know, handle uh, people. Let's see if I can do this, give you just a quick idea of what it looks like, if you're curious. Nice. So you're you're there, you're you know, flying in the ship, they're coming up to Farsight Station, you can kind of see it through some of the windows, and while you're sitting there, a hologram turns on, and you see it is a hologram of somebody you recognize as Juhi Jules Edvin, who is the daughter of the creator of Elevation, whose name now I'm blanking on entirely. And she's sort of doing that kind of canned, you know, video thing you might see at like an old Disney ride of like the world of tomorrow kind of stuff. And uh, she starts, you know, uh, as you're approaching, you know, she's like, uh, thank you for, you know, coming to see Farsight Station and that sort of very, you know, sing song presentery voice, kind of a chippy sort of tone to it. Uh, she goes into the history of Elevation, how her father wanted to, you know, she, he saw that, you know, humankind was, you know, they had sort of come together after the, you know, the period of twilight, but they were starting to fall back apart with the, you know, the decline of nationalism and, uh, you know, the sort of falling apart of unity. And so her father, who was a very successful businessman, he decided he was going to pour his efforts into creating Elevation. And he hoped that through this, on its surface, it's a search for intelligent life. But really what it is, it's the hope that he saw life as a miracle. Um, and he hoped by extending out into the solar system, into the galaxy, he could show that this miracle wasn't just an isolated aberration in the universe, but that was actually the default that the universe wanted and that there was actually other life out there, other miracles out there that, and he hoped that 
sentiment would sort of unify humanity. And it wasn't really working. And so he decided he was going to make a grand gesture. He claimed to have created a starship that could go further out into the stars than ever before. And he decided, you know what? Uh, I'm going to make like a, pub a public uh, outreach. I'm going to make this big spectacle. And when he launched the ship, it, there was this flash of light. And if you ask engineers and scientists what happened, they would say his ship vaporized uh, from some kind of core malfunction. If you ask his daughter, she'd probably say the same thing, but she hopes that somehow it worked and that he's still out there somewhere. And uh, so she, you know, once again, thanks you for, for coming to Farsight Station and, uh, you know, wishes you a good visit. And then sort of the hologram peters out. With that, you start your approach to Farsight Station and you hear coming over the radio, Starseeker 4 to Farsight Docking Control. We're on the final approach. Our Vactors match your signal. You know, commencing moving, maneuvering thrusters, docking in T minus one minute. So, you know, Neptune sits before you and it's hard to deny its magnificence, the swirling gases, uh, the immensity compared to the tiny late model spacecraft you're arriving in. Uh, it doesn't take long for, for Triton to come into view and you can just make out your destination with its thin black edge on the moon's dark side. Uh, Farsight Station has been in orbit there for decades, and at its height, it was the most advanced deep space observation post in the solar system. Now it doesn't seem quite as impressive. Only a few lights are lit along its main ring, making it apparent just how much of the station, station is unused or abandoned, and countless pockmarks from micrometeors bring up troubling questions of the hull's integrity. At the center of the ring sits the stationary orb that contains several multi-frequency telescopes that bring in most of the station's valuable data. You're tasked with learning about the uh, inner workings of the station as part of your orientation if you're an employee. Uh, but the thought of being stationed here for the next few weeks makes you wish you might be anywhere else in the system. So you... After it, it, are, a quick question about that. Is it unimpressive because it's there's further observation stations or it's just unmanned? Uh, it's unimpressive because it's a little beat up. Okay. Is um, it still the furthest? Yes, it still is the okay. furthest. It's sort of Just like old and busted. Yeah, yeah. So that, that's the thing. In my mind, I don't know. If, a long time ago, when I went to Disney World, there were all these like you know Mission to Mars and like mm -hmm. all these rides that I bet when they first came out like blew the shit out of people. Uh, but when I saw it, it looked like it was like a twenty-year-old ride that was a dump and all the seats were stained and you know, and that's sort of the first impression you get from uh from farsight station like you know when jules was talking about it in the in the uh, hologram you know she looked much younger you could tell like it's like an old recording from maybe 10 years ago like you've seen recent pictures of her her hair is more gray you know time has sort of taken a bit of a toll um and it's just sort of an indication that you know elevation has fallen from its its height mm. um and that's sort of what the issue is um let's see so yeah so you're docking into the station when you come to the station you come into the docking bay um and then in the docking bay whoops i should probably drag you over here so you come into the docking bay and uh waiting for you in the docking bay you see two people um and they wear the you know uniform and patches of something called the orbital quarantine command 
And the Orbital Quarantine Command is sort of a paramilitary group that has been tasked with enforcing quarantine discipline around uh, the solar system. And uh, it's sort of like the idea of the current UN where everybody sort of pays into it and you're supposed to then, you know, benefit from it. Um, not everybody does, you know, and you could argue, I guess, a little bit like the UN. Uh, but uh, you see two people here. Um, the first guy, his uh, name tag says Gregor, Gregor Haverich. Um, and he, you know, starts asking you questions like, have you been anywhere in the, you know, last seven days, blah, blah, blah. You know, the kinds of stuff we get asked now for going into a restaurant or a doctor's office for quarantine. And, uh, you know, you start, you know, just checking the boxes, you know, the chances of you actually needing quarantine is basically zero. You basically came from earth to here. Um, meanwhile, um, his partner, uh, his name tag says Tennis Reed, and he, uh, you know, starts, you know, he scans your bags, he scans all your possessions to make sure there's no microbes or anything on the bags themselves, and uh, you clear through, and uh, they pass along, and as you clear out, they sort of pack up shop because, honestly, there's not much else for them to do. Uh, so they wave you on, they pack up their stuff, and they all jump into the lift and then the lift takes you up to the second level a nice i'm assuming yeah so we'll move you over to the second level so once you get to the second level you are now you know you pop out of the lift and you see in front of you and sort of behind you these doors obviously you're not sure it's behind them but what you see along the outside ring of this uh circular room is computer banks, data banks, servers, things like that. Um, it's basically the computer brain center of the station. And probably at one point, this was supposed to be like a sort of shock and awe first impression, like, oh my God, look at the gadgets. But you can sort of see that this shit is like 20, 30 years old. There's parts that look like they've been, you know, duct tape upgraded uh, as, you know, to keep everything running. So it's not, it's not this awe-inspiring spectacle it might have once been um but it does appear to be you know the computer heart and soul of this uh this station and like i said there should be doors to the north and south hey um at least uh i no, i'm i was still sitting there like okay good. and just out of curiosity does everybody know how to move their characters in yeah. foundry is it is it not just drag and drop it's drag and drop. It's the arrow keys. If you do shift okay. and arrow keys, that changes your facing. Okay. Um, so, yeah. Cool. So that's 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 the basics. Um, facing is very important in combat. Um, these pictures might not be the best way to signify that, but we'll figure that out. So yeah. So you know the you see like the the OQ uh, C guys. They sort of uh, they come up. I'll drag them onto the map. So they pop up, and let me see if this works now. Anyway, there it is. Okay, there. so they have to, interesting. So they have to be on the map in order for you to show artwork. Hmm. I never, I did not huh. think of that. I um, think there's um, like a plugin you can get that will will uh, make that easier. Circumvent that. Okay, cool. I did not know that, and I apologize. Um, okay, so yeah, so they just sort of head up the north tunnel and uh, make their way 
to what looks like a lift at the end of the tunnel and then they take that and they're gone not indicating that we should follow them nope, they, which we wish we, <laughs> we should go nope they don't give a shit what you do since you don't have any deadly microbes on you they're like uh that they know of exactly <laughs> um yeah they're like dedicated civil servants they did their thing and then they packed up their shit and uh they're going back well which way do you, you think we should go gentlemen follow them up north through the north is, door? There, is there a sign on the lift to the north yeah it just says up to level one main deck and observation okay is there a sign on the south door uh it says up to level one main deck and observation okay so maybe it doesn't matter maybe not so many choices. <laughs> and then somebody just typed something. Let's take the other lift. <laughs> the other door. All right. Okay. <laughs> Somebody's going to go south. To the south, right? Then? Yeah, why not? Uh, let's see. Does that open? There we go. I don't know if it's still open or not. Everything, it's on a white background, which I'm realizing is a terrible thing for these maps. Uh, okay. Okay. So, uh, with that, is that the elevator, that little square yeah. down there? Yeah, that'll take you. Yeah, it says a lift up to level one. Oh, so actually, I'm going to embellish the situation with my person a little bit. So, why okay. would this has been going on like every five minutes or so? Because I assume no one else here can speak Korean. I have a little recorder and I just okay. start talking Korean into it. Like I stand six feet away from everyone based on most of the time. Like I've just like put myself off from everyone. I just speak Korean in that little mic, which is okay. a recorder. I think uh, Keith Raniere or uh, Dr. Mac turns to, uh, what's your character's name? Young he. But he turns to her and just like, uh, you know, like when people try to speak Spanish in Mexican restaurants, when they order their food to like show people that they took, like he he pulls that move to try like to speak some basic Korean, but just butchers <laughs> it, and bows to bows to you. I I do a, like a smile <laughs> curtsy, like and then just keep up with what I'm up to, which I assume is what most you would do, and then like step a foot further away from, oh, what's his name? But it's it's Mac, like the Big Mac. Yeah, Mac okay. M A C K. Okay. Yeah, he just she's just like, huh, and like, or Mac, like, famed sex cultist Ally Mac. <laughs> right. Uh, my character's nickname is also Mac, so I'm a little offended. <laughs> and yeah, we've got go. Mac Davis, David, and Mac. Yeah, this is gonna go fine. <laughs> Over hunger, hunger done. Um, okay, so for for a moment, let's take a a moment to suddenly realize that. Uh, Dave Mack is not with you guys. Um, you suddenly realize he actually didn't come up the lift with you. And Dave Mack, what are you up to? Uh, well, I, I didn't really talk to anyone on the trip. Um, I really don't like any of them. And so I'm just <laughs> going to go my own way. All right. So you enter the lift and you try and go up. And it's... Access denied. Please insert biometrics authorization. I'll curse under my breath, and then I'll uh, 
I'll stick my finger in there. <laughs> uh, so real, it, it's, it's more of like a, a card. Um, oh, yeah. It's, it's all right. I'll walk. I'm gonna walk out, and then uh, I'm gonna head. I'm gonna head the way those two dippy doodles went. Okay, you're gonna follow. Uh, yeah. The O uh, QC guys. Okay, yeah. So they went to the north. Um, uh, hold yeah. on, I've got some. No, no, we're south. He's right. talking to me. I'm not he's with you guys. Duck. Oh, he's, he's not with you guys. Yeah. Uh, so I, if, I, if I learned anything uh, on the trip out from Earth, it's that you guys are all fuckers and I hate you. Right. So why is it not showing? So when I do that, so Duck, are you losing? I'm character? on there. Oh, you're on there. Okay. Um, have my token on there. Cool. So, uh, so you're gonna go up via that elevator. Mm-hmm. Okay. So let's take care of that. Station, bum, bum, bum. Main level. Main level. So you pop up over here. Okay. Uh, and let's go back to the other group. So, guys, when you pop up, you see sort of this group waiting for you. Uh, you see four people and this sort of cylindrical robot. And uh, the first person steps up to you. And I'll just move him over there. And he introduces himself as Dr. Horace Edvin. Uh, obviously, he's and he's the brother of Jules Edvin, the son of uh, Marcus Edvin, the creator of Elevation. Um, he sort of, you know, makes a few, few pleasantries. Uh, you know, he's shaking hands, but you can smell, even though it's like the middle of the afternoon, there's already alcohol on his breath. And he's just sort of going down the line saying, oh, hello, welcome, welcome. Um, and that sort of nice but false way that people often do. Star Clue's blessing. Thank you for having us. And instead of a handshake, I put like one palm facing upwards and slide his hand on top of that and put my other hand on top of his and move it <laughs> sideways. Uh, yeah, stiff as a board. Um, no. He, um, he sort of smiles and nods and says, oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, it, it's great to finally meet you. I'm hopefully we can have a lot of... Uh, good discourse on uh our differing viewpoints and he kind of laughs a little bit <laughs> <laughs> and then you know he goes on to uh dr calder and he you know shakes your hand says hi you know i'm you know dr dr edvin uh and he asks a little bit about yourself nice to meet you doctor i um hope i can get some some real science done while i'm here And uh, he sort of nods and, you know, again, he's a little bit drunk, so he he doesn't mean this entirely as an insult, but he's like, well, yeah, you know, hopefully, you know, you can get your reputation back on your feet. You know, there's no reason to bring up this sore point, but he sort of does trying to mean it in a nice way, but it's not really. Uh, mm. And then he goes on to the next person uh, who actually, wait, did you move yourself over there, Duck, or did I put you over here twice? I only see me once. No, sorry, Duck. Are you down here on the south? Duck. or? I, uh, I, I am. Uh, I see myself as up north. You do? Okay. Uh, this is fantastic. Um, I'm not showing you at all up north. Oh, there you go. Uh, so let me get rid of you down south. Okay. Um, and then, yeah, so he goes to uh, 
Dr. Patil, Patil, um, and, you know, greets you and says hello and welcomes you to Elevation. And I just shake his hand normally. <laughs> <laughs> Nailed it. I say, says something to the effect of, you know, I hope, I hope um, you don't need my services here too much. And he sort of nods and, you know, thanks you. And then, you know, he steps over to uh, uh, Yung Yi and uh, introduces himself as well. So I'm very polite. Give like a... I don't touch his hand, but I just do like a bow sort of thing. Okay. Well, Yung Yi, got... do you need me to translate? <laughs> I just look directly at him like, no. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, so with that, you know... <laughs> You know, he's gone down the line. Uh, like, again, you've all gotten a chance to smell the alcohol in his breath. And uh, then he sort of says to no one in particular, you know, do I need to be here for the rest of this? And, uh, you know, it's his name on the side of the building, but he's still asking that sort of rhetorical question. And uh, he's like, nope, great, thanks. It was very nice to meet all of you guys. Take care. And he starts to wander off um, around the corner. I guess he's not going to follow the walls because this rocks okay so he takes off uh and then you know next down the line comes uh this very stern looking older woman uh has almost no <laughs> i don't want to say life but her face is very cold and uh her name is uh amia liso no not really <laughs> um no her name is uh dr emma galdis and she introduces herself again she's going down the line um, you know, if you want, you know, if there's something specific you want to ask her, um, otherwise, you know, we'll just have her go down the line and, uh, kind of scientist is she? she is the head of Farsight's, uh, science program. Uh, she basically is a jack of all trades to some degree. She has to analyze, you know, their telescopic data, their radio signal data. Um, she, you know, mentions that, you know, when she has the time, she, you know, does a little bit of her own research. But her answers are all very, you know, very curt, very, very cold and very answering exactly what you asked um, with precise information uh, and not much else. Uh, when she gets to me, I'm going to say, uh, glad to be here, doctor. I'm hoping you can put my skills to use. And she sort of looks at you and um, just goes, hmm, yes, I hope so. Uh, but I, I, think, I think your reputation might have preceded you a little bit. Um, and so, she, you know, her already cold response is a little skeptical. Um, and so, yeah, she continues down the line. Is there anyone else that wanted to ask or say anything to her? Would we know ahead of time, you know, that these were the people that were already there? Would, would they told us like okay these are the people that are going to be up there and who you're going to be answering to or working for yeah probably you would have known dr galdis um yeah because she's in charge of you know all science and research here so you probably would know that if if that was where you were headed gotcha. yeah so i'll i'll you know just sort of say some sort of a kiss ass like you know oh very nice to meet you so so much about your work up here and looking forward to observing you and 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 you know learning what i can up here and uh, um, again, she, oh, sorry, go ahead. Oh, go ahead. No, go ahead. I was just going to say, and she kind of looks at you and goes, hmm. 
and uh, nods and then moves on. Has there been because it's been like how long has it been since uh, Bill Gates got thrown into the warp hole? Uh, it's probably yeah, I his name. Uh, yeah, uh, uh, Marcus Edvin. Um, it's been about a decade. Okay. Has there been any other scientific things occur since then here that like would have hit any major networks or news? No. Okay. No. They've never had any success finding uh, extraterrestrial life or, or, you know, data collection and radio signals and stuff like that. That just doesn't seem anything exciting. So like, I don't know how to, like, I'm not going to phrase this in like character, but basically mm -hmm. I'm just, I like, I'm like pleased to meet you. And then I say something because I've, I've at this point it's number two and I'm like, all right, none of these people care anymore about what's going on here. <laughs> right. And I'm just like, unfortunate that the last like scientific breakthrough was such an incident. And I mean it as like a dagger, but I do it very <laughs> politely. Right. <laughs> and, um, she looks at you for a second and uh, I want to say like there's a flash of respect because you just took a very like cleverer, clever kind of rapier, precise jab in a very targeted way that you can't really take badly. And so she's like, hmm. Uh, and she says, well, you know, we look forward to, uh, you know, continuing our efforts and hoping something comes from it. Um, and then she uh, sort of steps off to the side. And then the next person to come up is a person who something about him seems off. Uh, he sort of walks up to, you know, Dr. Mac and uh, says, hello. And sort and of st stares at him for a minute. Dr. Mac, not to be outdone, first off, he does his handshake and says, uh, Shark Lose Embrace, Doctor. My name is Dr. Mac hmm. Elbert, and I would love to uh, embrace, uh, take some of your time and discuss your theories on the Nibiru Cataclysm and the imminent threat to Earth. And he, uh, as he says that, he kind of turns to the others and like smirks. Like he's trying to show something off, but it's <laughs> right. Complete yes. So uh, he just nods and says, "I'm Doctor Algernon. Thank you." And then moves on. And then he goes up to uh, Doctor Calder, and in a, the very exact same way, he goes, "Hello." His name's even ominous. Sorry, what's Hello? that? His name's even ominous. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'm Dr. Calder. And he just says, hello. And then he sort of starts to move on without saying anything else. Uh, why doesn't everybody give me an insight roll? Uh, not duck, because you're not there. Does he look dangerous or is it just weird? No, he just uh, looks a little weird. Okay. Really? 93? Hot dice. Hot dice. <laughs> okay, so nah. how everybody do on their sort of standard level insight? Poorly. Okay, Pass. so we've got Dr. Man. Mac. Succeeded rather well. 
There's like this lunacy that's allowing him to just like unlock. <laughs> yeah, he's actually unlocked the secrets. We're all wrong. What's it going uh, lunacy, I think you mean the life energy of Sharklu. Right. That is exactly what we meant. Oh my god. So, Doctor Mac, you know, Doctor Algernon greets you and passes on, and he's going down the line. And while you're sort of standing there, going like, "Okay," um, you catch out of the corner of your eye, Doctor Galdus. Uh, she was very, like, blank when she greeted you guys, but she's very closely watching Dr. Dr. Algernon, and she seems actually quite tense uh, as he goes down the line sort of greeting everybody. Interesting. Mm. Um, mm. So, you know, so Dr. Algernon gets to Dr. Uh, Patil, and you know says hello in the exact same sort of way you know he sort of very deliberately makes eye contact and sort of nods do we do we know who he is no and nobody's told you okay he just says hello i said hi Dr. and Patel. uh and 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 your function here on the spaceship or the space station what are we calling this place uh, it's a space station it's called farsight station it's the yeah, name of the station um, he looks at you for a moment and, uh, he looks back over to Dr. Uh, Galdus and says, I assist Dr. Galdus. Oh, okay. Well, nice to meet you. And I and don't push anything. Okay. And he says, hello. And then he moves on one more time to, uh, Young He and says, Hello. I just literally go hello right back at him and that's all <laughs> <laughs> and so he says hello and then he starts to walk away and as he walks away dr galdas waits for him and then they walk off together um so then <laughs> what's the person that's left is uh where am i there we go so then the last guy comes up and this guy he looks like a douchebag um, and he's very like flustered and he seems really stressed out. Uh, and he's like, I don't have goddamn time to, you know, welcome these idiots to the station every time some ship shows up and they need, think we need to whip out the dog and pony. Sh and he so he's muttering under his breath. And he goes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I I'm, I'm Jake. Who are you? Nice to meet you. Hi. Pleasure to meet you, Jake. I am Dr. Mac Elbert. I'm sure you've heard of me. And he's like, oh, my God. No, I, I'm sorry. I'm just, I'm just, I'm really busy right now. I'm sorry. Uh, and then he just sort of moves on. Uh, uh, Jake, when we smile, the world smiles with us. And he just looks at you for a minute. He goes, I'm seriously too busy for this. And so then he moves down the line to, uh, uh, <laughs> sorry. Uh, Dr. Calder. Calder, yeah. I just say, hey, you don't need to waste your time with us. And I was like, finally, somebody gets it. And he says, appreciate it. And then he goes down the line to Dr. Patel. Yeah, just very, very politely, uh, Dr. Patel, we don't want to waste any of your time. Nice to meet you. All right. And then uh, down the line to uh, Young He. So I once again, like, probably I'm like, what's the hurry on some on a place that hasn't had anything happen in a decade? 
And he's like, well, I'm glad you asked. Um, if I could stop wasting my time talking to you guys, maybe I can go make sure that our O2 processors don't collapse and kill us all. So I don't know. Do you have any interesting things you need to ask me about? Or can I go back to doing my job? Because, oh, Jesus, I, I've got a lot to do. Well, I had a, f a few questions if you have time, but uh, and he just walks away. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if you guys have had that guy in the office. You know, he yeah. he might be the IT guy. He might be the guy who does like maintenance and like he has like a really not mundane, but like it's not like he's you know performing heart surgery. But he feels like he has like the weight of the entire company on his shoulders, and if he stops for one second everything's going to grind to a halt even though it's not really true uh that's sort of the impression you get with him mm. um so now that you've done that uh so then all of a sudden you see this little robot you know sort of wheels over to you and he goes hello i am x014 i am a service droid and i am happy to make your acquaintance let me please give you a tour of the station i am happy to show you around and it's just sort of this a very effusive, joyous, bubbly, because he has to be programmed voice. Um, and he's like, you know, please follow me and I will be happy to show you around. We're setting stuff. The robots are more, they're like, Disney, I would say like Chuck E. Cheese versus like artificial intelligence, right? Uh, sorry, uh, I, I missed the, what was that? Are they like Chuck E. Cheese versus like artificial intelligence? No, it's more, they're not like sentient, but it's more like a fully programmed droid. Okay. Um, so let me see, is this Mac? Uh, so, Duck, are you up by the north uh, lift? I may have wandered around a little. Oh, okay, sorry. Uh, so you should be down. Okay, so you're down here. Um, all right, so I apologize. You were walking around the station a little bit. Um, yeah. And nobody seems to have noticed that, you know, there were five of you, but they only greeted, uh, or however many, uh, one, two, three. Yeah, nobody's really paying, nobody really cared. Um, so, Doc, what you see is eventually, um, you see a woman walk through, followed by a younger man um and even though they you know they stop saying oh hello sorry pardon me excuse me and you see them you know walk past you and go into this room here and the door shuts behind them uh then a moment later you see uh who is this god damn Oops, I had the wrong person. Uh, you see the woman, this is... Uh, you can turn on their names, you know. Yeah, how do you do that? You right-click on them, and then um, I don't think I can see... Oh, I see. Uh, always for... Yes. Yeah, Every... display gonna... name, always for owner, all those kind of things. I'm just going to do it always for... Thank you, I appreciate that, because... Um... Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, so they... Um... You know, so next you see... Uh, somebody you recognize as, you know, Horace Edvin. He's he's famous. So he brushes past you. He gives you kind of a nod. And then he just keeps walking by uh, down the hall. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and I mean, I was just kind of walking around, but I'm going to 
you know, I'd basically be kind of wandering around and I'm going to definitely note that like nobody seems to be accosting me in any way. Yeah. Uh, then, you know, you almost run into this guy as he sort of huffs and sighs and does all this shit. And then he, uh, you know, he keeps walking by as well. Okay. Um, so, yeah. So the robot uh, for the rest of the group, you know, starts saying, please follow me. And he says, you know, to your left is an unused portion of the station. Uh, the only things in there are, you know, a lab that is no longer being used and we have not been able to rent out. And there's also some storage for the station. Uh, but otherwise, there is no need for residents and non-elevation uh, personnel, authorized personnel to go there. And so then, you know, he starts walking. He's like, to the right is an airlock. Please do not go in there without authorization. And, uh, you know, so, and he keeps going now, if you see, we have a very impressive medical sick bay in case anything should happen to you during your time here on, uh, Farlight Station. Um, so then Dr. Mac, you're walking and you're sort of seeing. I think I got myself stuck. Okay. So I have you just entering a room, I guess. Were you able to open the door? Uh, I, I don't know, but now I can't get out of the room. <laughs> <laughs> is the door open? The door should be doesn't open. Ha- this doesn't happen on roll 20. That's what I'm saying. So the other people were able to walk in. So if everybody, let's just pause for a moment. Uh, so when you walk into here, you see two mm-hmm. people look up, uh, kind of shocked that a bunch of people just walked into, uh, it, it looks like it's a laboratory. And you see in there working two people. Um, where's the other one? There we go. You see two people in there. One um, is an older gentleman, and one is a woman probably in her early 20s. And, you know, they have various lab equipment, um, and they seem to be doing some work. Uh, And they say, excuse me, can we help you? Oh, Shark Lou's embrace, brother and sister. We're, we're on the tour. Okay, I'm going to unpause now, now that I've dropped them in. Um, and so the tour, they're like, what are you talking about? Oh, this friendly little robot is uh, escorting us around. I thought I'd peek in here. What do you do here? And then you hear through the doorway, you hear the robot saying, and then further to our left, it hasn't realized you are not behind it anymore. <laughs> um, and it's continuing the tour. Um, so let's see. So uh, Surya, did, uh, Dr. Patel, did you keep following the robot? Yeah, I'm, I'm following the robot. Okay, Dr. Uh, Calder, what are you doing? I'm following the robot as well. Okay, so you're still out following the robot. Okay, so is it just uh, Dr. Mac and uh, Yung Hee that went into the lab? Yeah, I'm like, ga- like I, I would say visually gaming on them just like paying attention to Dr. Mac for reasons mm-hmm. we can all probably understand to where I'm like leaning in the back of the lab, like I'm there and you can, I'm not like hiding, but I'm not like engaging. I'm just going to okay. see what happens. So they turn to Dr. Mac and they say, you know, excuse me, like, this is, you know, private research rented by MIT. Uh, 
while we don't own this lab, we have leased it through the Elevation Corporation, and this is supposed to be restricted to our use only. And if it's okay, I need to ask you to leave. Oh, certainly. Of course, you know, I am a doctor. And then he says, that's fantastic. And I, I'd be happy to discuss, you know, anything you want, but not here in this lab while we're working, please. Certainly, certainly. Here, take a card. And why don't you come to one of my retreats? <laughs> and he sort of takes his card, hoping it would uh, get you to keep moving. Uh, it's like super glittery and gets glitter all over the place. Uh, okay, cool. Um, I got yeah. out of the room. So then they head out of the room. Uh, Yunghi, are you coming as well? Or are you still going to hang out in the room for a minute? Or I'm going to sit and see if they notice me. Uh, they kind of, they kind of do. Yeah, they're like, "Can we help you with anything?" <laughs> if you don't move, you're invisible. <laughs> so, uh, this, so what I want to try to do is basically, I'm going to act like I can't speak English. Okay. With the effort of having one of them, like, what I want to do is have one of them escort me to the ladies' room. Is it was one of them a lady? Uh, yes, there's uh, Amy uh, Tarvern. Yeah, because I can't RP, I can't RP effectively, but I just want to be like to get that. That's my goal is like have her escort me to the ladies' room. Okay. And during that time, I don't want to see if I can get her to vomit her take on Elevation's remote base. All right. Like I so... slowly start getting really good at English at the, on the way there. <laughs> Give me a <laughs> deceit roll, a standard deceit roll. Uh, deceit. Please, where's the button? One second. Uh, yeah, just click the percentage. Yeah, there you go. Please. Oh, Can yes. Do it? Yep, it did. Uh, she looks at you and says, yeah, sure, sure. I can, I can, I can help you. No problem. And so she starts to come out. Um, so meanwhile, let's see, Duck, uh, Dave Mack. You find yourself standing. Uh, is that basically where you are? Yeah, I would have come through the door. Okay, I see this cool. little robot down the hall. Cool. So you see this little robot approaching you. And then as you do that, you see one of the guys from the door opens next to you. And one of the OQC guys pops out. You see on his name tag that his name is Gregor, uh, not <laughs> the other guy, Tennis. So he hops out and he sort of looks at you a little startled, like he wasn't expecting somebody to be right outside his door. And uh, he looks like he's trying to, uh, you know, walk past you. I'll, I'll slide to the side. Not okay. Out. So he starts walking down the hall and, uh, yeah, out of view. I'm actually going to follow him. Okay, cool. Uh, here's what I want you to do. <clears throat> Give me a... Do you have stealth? Ooh. Probably not, but let's see. I do. It's really crappy, but here. 51. It's, do it's it. probably not going to do. So he sort of notices that you're kind of following him around. And uh, so let's see. So you sort of see, he sort of catches you looking, and, and he sort of looks forward for a second. Then he looks to his left and right, sort of trying not to look at you. But then when he's done, he just sort of ducks I, and into this you room. know, which one? I'll, uh, he goes from here. Uh, it's over uh, this room here, if you can see my ping. Oh, over there. Okay. Yeah, he ducks up north into this door. So he went in this door here. 
Correct. Yeah. You know, at some point, like he kind of looked at me. Uh, I'll, I'll follow him in there. Oops. Okay. Cool. So going back to Jung Hee, you've gotten Miss Tarver to sort of start leading you along, and you're trying to get her to go to the bathroom, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, the goal is like just to get her to like I'm talking, like I'm suddenly start I slowly talk, but it's to like get her to be like this person's treat me as harmless and tell me everything I can get out of her as far as what's her lab working on? How's elevation? Like okay. all that, just like whatever I can gauge. Yeah. Um, so, you know, she just tells you, you know, they are, they commissioned some lab space um, from elevation. She is a research assistant working on her PhD at MIT. Uh, her uh, advisor and uh, I'm not sure what you would call I don't have a PhD. Is it just an advisor? Or what, uh... Yeah. You're okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, you know, is named Dr. Lanton Vettis and, uh, you know, they're just doing sort of like, you know, research on, you know, microgravity research on, you know, radio signals coming from deep space, uh, just sort of general, uh, and I apologize. I don't actually know shit about science as it's going to be very <laughs> evident. Um, just the kind of research, uh, research on the Kuiper belt, you know, stuff that's really helps to be this far out. Gotcha. So it's that kind of general stuff. Um, and it's sort of like MIT, she sort of explains. And, you know, anybody can rent space from Elevation, and that's actually kind of how they keep Farsight Station going. Uh, she suspects that, you know, if they didn't rent this stuff out, you know, all of it would be closed down, not just, you know, half of it that uh, it currently seems. So, you know, to go to the bathroom, she sort of walks you down the hall, you know, past the robot. And, you know, what I'm going to do is I'm going to drag you both over. So this is, is there stuff you want to ask her as you're continuing to walk? Stuff beyond what I've described? Are they able to like, I guess like, is the price for renting like good or is it like bargain bin as well? She doesn't have any idea. She, you know, just knows that the university takes care of it. And okay. uh, pays it because it is sort of a once in a, uh, it's a unique place to, to research. And she sort of leads you here to this room. And you can see like it's, you know, sort of like a bathroom showers kind of thing for the crew. So then going back, um, you've got this robot saying, and then to our right is the MIT research lab and quarters. And also the quarters and galley, private galley of the OQC. Um, and so do the rest of you keep following the robot? Okay. Yep. All right. So then going back to Duck. Duck, do you actually go in the room? Sure. Okay. So you go in the room and you just basically see <laughs> it's, it's the galley. It's uh, where everybody eats, but it's also got like a pretty well-stocked bar. And uh, you see the guy you recognize as uh, Horace Edvin. He's already poured himself a good three or four fingers. And the OQC guy, he sort of is looking like, uh, his name is Gregor. He's <laughs> looking like he's trying to find something to do. So he's like thinking for a minute and then he goes up to, he goes up to the bar and he also sort of gets a drink. Well, I'm going to go up to the bar and get a drink. All right. And so, yeah, he sort of, Horace nods at the uh, at Gregor because they, you know, recognize each other. There's not a ton of people on the station. Mm -hmm. And where do you want it? So, like, it's sort of arranged seating as the icons are on the map. Is that how you want to sit next to Gregor? Sure. Okay. 
so he sort of side glances at you and gives you a nod. I'll, I'll, I'll nod back at him. I'll give him a little uh, kind of half smile. Okay. He just, you know, gets his drink. He sort of sips it for a minute. Nobody really says anything. It's a little awkward. Horace seems to go through his four fingers pretty quick and uh, sort of orders another. By orders, is it like an automated thing? Yeah, well, say it's sort of like you sort of like touch pad and it sort of gets you what you need. You know, drop okay. some ice in there if you want some ice. Um, it's not like it's not like a, a bar where you pay. It's just if you're on the station, you can use it. All right. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to uh, order myself uh, three fingers of Martian whiskey. <laughs> nice. All right. Yeah. So again, nobody seems to be saying anything. I don't think uh, I don't think David Mack would start a conversation. He's happy that he found a bar. Nice. All right. So are you just going to sit there and have a drink? Is there anything you want to say or uh, just sit there quietly and have a drink? I don't. Yeah. I mean, the, yeah, I feel like he would just be, you know, he's not a he's not a talker. So no, if okay. he's got, he's actually pretty comfortable with the silence and, you know, they haven't said anything to him. So, right. Yeah. He's just going to down it. Okay. So then you see Gregor sort of, you know, realizing everybody just sort of sitting there quietly, he sort of finishes off his drink really quickly and he uh, sets it down, gives everybody a nod and he starts to walk out. Okay. I'll, I'll, I'm just going to stay there and keep enjoying my drink. All right. Well, Horace had been, you said was famous. What is he famous for? He's the brother of the. Yes, he's the brother of Jules, who runs the entire Elevation Corporation, okay. and he's tasked uh, with overseeing the Farsight Station. So it tries to make him important, but it's definitely not as important as the sister. Okay. And now, Yun He, as you're being shown to the bathroom, you see the OQC guy. Uh, walk past you and he sort of heads into the lift and uh, the door closes behind him. And uh, yeah, he just heads downstairs to level two. Okay. So back to the robot, he's continuing his tour. Uh, he's like, to the right is an airlock. You know, please don't enter without authorization as they can be very dangerous. He's sort of repeating almost the exact same verbatim line. And then to our right is the very prestigious Dr. Galdis's lab, where most of her important research here on elevation occurs. And then he keeps going and says, you know, and to our right now is where you'll be staying in the elevation crew quarters. You know, please enjoy our comfortable accommodations. They are not uh, luxurious, but they should serve you well during your time here on the station. And then he keeps going and he's like, should you need any food or drink, uh, please enjoy, you know, the fine cuisine of our communal gallery, uh, galley here to our right. Everyone eats here, even, you know, Horace himself. You know, there's no difference between us once we're on this station. And he sort of keeps going. Is the door um, still open? Yeah, yeah. You guys can peek inside if you wanted to. And you see. If anybody him. peeks inside, I, I cheers them virtually. <laughs> okay. So. You and he, are, are you going to sort of continue the charade and go to the bathroom? It's like I do, because I don't know if Amy's going to, like, stick around. Like, if she, like, immediately, like, gets out of there, like, I'll just, like, not even go through the door. But if she's going to stick around, I'll go in and, like, enter right. a booth for a minute. Yeah, as soon as she sees you go in, she starts to head back, you know, sort of briskly. Yeah, this is like a TV episode. I'm just on the other side of the door and just, like, listen to her footsteps. <laughs> All right. And then I check my makeup in the mirror and like go back out the door. 
cool. All right. Why does that say scientist? Um, okay, cool. Um, so yeah, she goes back to where's uh, MIT's research lab. There we go. She goes back to the research lab um, and does her thing. Uh, let's see. Okay, so, and then Dr. Calder, where are you? Did you stick with the robot? I have you back a ways, but I didn't know if you were following the robot or not. Yeah, I, I, I've been sticking with the robot, sorry. Okay, cool, no problem, I'll move you over. Okay, so, and then with that, you know, XO14 says, and that concludes our tour, you know, please do not hesitate to ask any questions that you might have during your time here on Elevation. Thank you. And he starts to sort of wheel away. If it's like wheels, am I in that area? Uh, let's see. You're, uh, if you wanted to come out of uh, the bathroom, yeah, you'd sort of see it wheeling down the hall. I'm just like sort of to myself, but to the lower can hear, I'm just like, what a, I'm like, what a poor thing or something. Just like, I like feel <laughs> bad for the robot. <laughs> right, right. Um, now, everybody, if you can. Give me a perception check. Okay. Find my character. Where's that cultist? He make he made it. Nope. Okay. So looking down the list here, did everybody do their role? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So doing that, Doctor Patil, there's a door over here. The robot didn't mention it. Um, just sort of said, you know, we were at the end of the tour, but you hear something sort of like a weird clanging momentarily come from behind that door. But everyone else, you, you don't hear it. Uh, he takes off. Let's, uh, let's grab some food and uh, get situated in our, our berths. All right. There's clearly nothing strange going on in this space. <laughs> Right, so you guys all sort of head into the into the galley there. Dr. Mack will walk up to Mack and introduce himself. I, my hands are going to stay at my sides, and I'm just going to I think he's just another person of the... Shark lose embrace, brother. I'm just going to glare. <laughs> and he turns to... Uh, he just sneers and turns to uh, Horace. It says, Horace, I think uh, a lovely idea would to bring Primaxium retreat to the station i see lots of empty space that you're not using sure surely we can work out a deal can you imagine that a weekend getaway with myself in sharkloo's embrace in space wow wow and sorry you're saying that to uh, a horse. horse yeah yeah and he sort of looks at you and uh says there's really nowhere else to go and then sort of presses the button for another four fingers <laughs> and watches it uh pour into the glass and he sort and of like without, without missing like what his tone was, well, there's several places I could hold a retreat, but this is exclusive. This is, wow. He sort of looks at you for a moment. He says, well, you know, if you're willing to uh, pay the price of admission, I can put you in contact with whoever you need to speak to about renting out our grand Farsight station. And he says that sort of with a bit of uh, sarcasm. Splendid, splendid. I will need your sister to join the retreat, though. You know, she'll really bring some hanger-ons, I bet. People willing to pay. And he goes, <laughs> sure. Yeah, I'm sure oh, she'll uh, show up for you right there. And then he takes a big pull from his drink at the mention of his sister. 
And uh, how about the rest of you? What are you guys doing as uh, Dr. Uh, Dr. Mac butters up uh, Horace? I kind of watch the exchange, but I'm sitting down at, like a little mini booth and pulling out my laptop okay. for a data slate. Nice. There isn't a server. I've got to like go up to the bar or anything, right? Nope. Yeah, you just sort of punch some buttons and you get what you need. Okay. There's just a, a tonic water shows up next to me as I'm okay. typing away. Dr. Calder, how about you and uh, Dr. Patel? What are you guys up to? Uh, Dr. Calder is is ordering some some fries and a burger and <laughs> nice and uh, a beer and and also pulls out his his data pad. Cool. <laughs> sees what they missed on their uh on their journey out here okay and then i um i hear i hear horace mentioned sister but i don't quite get the tone i just hear the words so you know i i sort of want to interject you know and say something oh yes she seems like she's a very nice person or something you know of that nature uh but right. then i also see him ordering uh uh the cheeseburger and you know I'm, and, and i kind of give that sort of doctor this you know that 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 look like you you don't you don't want to eat that that's not good for you <laughs> i think it's great that you're that kind of doctor you're gonna just like this judgy you know that's, right you know, that's red meat right all right <laughs> so it's not um, like it's real meat out here anyway <laughs> right uh that's a good point um so do you follow up on anything once you with the the sister or do you just sort of mention that and then sort of well, I mentioned it. cheeseburgers yeah well I, I i mentioned that and and yeah this is a little just of a side eye but I, you know kind of wait and if he sort of just responds the way he did to to dr mac you know then then i catch on like oh maybe he doesn't care for his sister too right and then i don't i don't follow up unless he says something else yeah so yeah so what he does is he looks at you for a minute and then he takes another big gulp and he's he's starting to get pretty inebriated and um, he looks at you and he says, you know, I shouldn't say this. You know, I know in my heart, my sister's a good person. It's like, you know what? Let me tell you something. You know, my, my dad, you know, you know, my dad, he got very rich, very goddamn rich. And he sort of pauses for a minute and he says, and you know what he sold to people? And he sort of waits, even though it's kind of a rhetorical question, he sort of pauses for a moment. And then he looks at you and he says, he sold his goddamn optimism. That bastard's greatest commodity was his optimism. And I don't have that. I just don't have it. I don't know what my father was so goddamn optimistic about. I don't know why people wanted to buy into it so goddamn fast but I just don't have it. And God bless Jules. I bet she thinks she has it. Maybe she believes she has it. I don't know. But she's not my father. Sometimes I feel like she's in over her head. And I don't even know what she's trying to do at this point. And he takes another sip from his drink, sort of polishing it off. And he says, you know what? And he sort of stands up and he, you could tell like the room just spun a moment for him. He's like, I think I've had enough. And he sort of starts to stumble out of the room. Like, Hor Horace, if, if you please, if you please, like this is Dr. Max shit. He, he eats up. Right. 
So and yeah, he, so he stops when you call him and he's sort of grabbing the the threshold for a little stability. And uh he I, I start to give him like the whole spiel and and I said knowing what to do is useless without the emotional strength to do what you know. Please spend some time with me. We can we can fix this projection of of sloth <laughs> and human greed and you can find that drive you can be like your father all we need to do is bring you in tune with Sharklu please this is why you brought me here this is why Sharklu guided our ship to this station cool now okay so here's what we're going to do we're going to do a roll i'm going to let you choose how to approach this mm. um mm. the skill there's i want a main skill and I want a skill or a passion to modify it. So are you being sincere? Let me ask that question. Um, I'm being sincere in my loyalty to the cult. Okay. So you're, so this is like, what just the, like what's driving this is him talking about his dad's money. Right. And like, I need rich people to buy into this shit because that's where the money's at. Okay, so um, what we're going to do is a car. <laughs> <laughs> right. So what I want you to do is I want you to roll a, a deceit roll modified by your loyalty to Paraxum. So we're going to take 20%, which is going to be 13, and we're going to add that to your deceit roll. Now, the way you do that is if you click on deceit, mm-hmm. it should bring up a pop-up window. There should be training, and underneath it, there should be miss for miscellaneous, I guess. Mm-hmm. Uh, put the 13 in that miscellaneous. You don't have to close it. Uh, now go back to your character sheet. Do the roll. Nice. That's really good. All right. And now before you close out to seat, just zero out that miscellaneous and then uh, yep. hit enter again. And then you yep. can close out. Yeah. So I was telling uh, some of the guys today's vault, hopefully in the next update, they're going to make it so you can add modifiers without having to do that. But they haven't yet. Anyway, so he looks at you for a second. And, you know, again, his head's sort of spinning. And uh, you can't tell if it's the booze or his heart, but you're looking pretty good right now. And, uh, you know, he sort of tries to, you know, do those hard, drunk blinks to focus and keep the room from spinning. And he said, what was your name again? My name is Dr. Mac Elbert. And I, I embrace his hands again in that weird handshake. Shark lose embrace, brother. <laughs> and uh, he sort of looks at you and says, you know what? Why don't you and I get together later and we'll talk. Maybe after I've had some time to sleep this off. But we'll, we'll speak later if that's all right. And he seems sincere in that request. Blended. I'll hold you to that. All right. Um, and with that, he starts to sort of stumble out of the room. You can tell he's, the booze are starting to really hit him. All right. Is everybody just going to let him go? Does anybody want to try and hit him I just want to... So my thing is I'm going to throw like a one-liner in a way that's like, it's one of those things that like, like I've, I'm a diplomat slash politician. So I've talked to drunk people plenty of times before. Right. And it's like, I just need to say this sentence. They won't forget this. And that's all I'm going to just deploy. Okay. So it's basically just as he like walks by, just like grab him for a second and just be like, pessimism has a market of its own. And that's all I want to say to him. All right. Um, why don't you give me an influence role and let's see, is this modified by any of your passions? 
is is this being driven by a passion? Is it being driven by something else? It's not being driven by a passion directly, which I might need to. I'm having to think to reevaluate one, but I don't think I'm going to. Okay, so it's just raw. Or would you want to modify it with politics? Yes, if I can modify it with politics, I'll do that all day. Okay, so you rolled a sixty, which is it's going to be a success because it's already a success. Okay. Um, so he looks at you, and he sort of nods. He says, "That's something else to think about." And uh, he says, "Maybe when I'm done having dinner with him, you and I can have dinner." Not even realizing what he's saying, and then sort of stumbles out. And he says, "You know, what's your name?" I'll say it's because he's drunk, and I know. <laughs> <laughs> I'll say, "Let's see, where's Miss June?" Okay, he's like Miss June. All right, and he sort of again, sort of that hard blink to stop the room from spinning, and then he heads down the hall. All right, and then he disappears, and I'll get him to where he goes. So with that, the group of you are left sitting there together in the gallery. In the galley. And as you're sitting there, you just sort of see Gregor pop back down the hall and start walking back from where he came much earlier. That's the OKS guy, right? Yeah, it's the o- uh, OQC guy. It's one of them. Duck encountered him sort of coming out of his room, uh, followed him to the bar because he was... Uh, Gregor was sort of looking at him like, are you following me? I'm not sure what's going on because he was trying to follow him a little bit. Uh, he stopped into the bar. They had a drink. Then he stepped out. And uh, you saw him enter the lift down to level two. Uh, and now you've just seen him sort of come back through the hallway. And he's like, those guys are very present throughout the, um, I guess, the solar system would be the phrase I would use. Correct. Yeah. So basically, um, they are... It's sort of like a, a unspoken agreement. Anywhere that has like a port of entry from like a, a docking station, anything, yeah, anywhere you could come in from some kind of external location, it's sort of this agreed thing that the o, uh, OQC will be there to monitor quarantine if necessary. So I'm this is not the first OQC, time. Oh, sorry? Yeah, would OQC be milling about like this normally? Like, you don't know what. Is this like seeing a janitor? I mean, there's no new ship that came in, so you're not sure why he went down to level two. He, that's where, you know, they checked you in. But otherwise, you don't really know what he does on his downtime in the station. But yeah, this is not the first time you've seen OQC personnel. They are literally anywhere you've ever docked, came back from a trip to Earth, uh, anything like that. They're everywhere. I'll do my, like, a light jab again. And this is basically just, like, to the room where I'm just like, seems very busy for not being... A scientist. <laughs> like, <laughs> Yeah. And how did the rest of you guys respond? Not at all. Yep. Okay. Not getting involved. <laughs> nice. Perfect elevation employees. Yeah. So with that, you guys are sort of left to your own devices. It's like, it's sort of, uh, let's, let's say... You got there in the late afternoon, let's say a couple of hours have passed, sort of meandering, getting the tour, walking around. So we'll make it like if you wanted to eat dinner, you're already in the galley. If you wanted to start retiring to your quarters, you could do that. It's entirely I probably to need you. to get some food in my stomach. I'll order right. a similar kind of cheeseburger that Horace did. Okay. So as you guys are, are uh, and what do the rest of you guys do? I want the least greasiest thing on the menu. <laughs> uh yeah they um 
They're up to their elbows in kale. Okay. Or I guess whatever oh, we're makes... <laughs> Go ahead. Sorry, what's... Oh, kale makes uh, Dr. Mac very happy, and he kind of proclaims to no one in the room that uh, through clean eating, we further tune ourselves to shark glue. <laughs> I right. give a smile when he says I'm that. Like I'm rolling amazing. my eyes as I take a bite of my big soy burger. <laughs> I'm gonna say, yeah, yeah, that checks out. Right. I also find that alcohol acts as interference between the communication waves. I take a drink. Yeah, I think I do too. Roll for initiative. No. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So I okay. Like, oh, so I was gonna say, look at Doctor. I was like, you seem to. Enjoy utilizing that interference, however. And do you respond at all to uh, Dr. Mac? I don't know if he gets it, but he'll... Uh... Oh, uh, well, Yoongi, I, of all, am most in tune with the universe and the energy that flows through there. And he points to his uh, this headband and says, this, this topper was bestowed upon me as a purple band white tip by the shark loo themselves. I lose my composure for like three seconds and like big I am for like three seconds. <laughs> I have, just uh, sip my I tonic have water. Earbuds that now go in my ears. <laughs> and Dr. Patel's just shaking her head like, oh my God. What did I get myself into? You may have heard, but um, I will be expanding Primaxium to this station. And it sounds like both Horus and Jules will be participating. All right. And now, um, while you guys are having your discussion, your burgers, your kale, uh, can everybody give me another perception roll? Food is people. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody just rolled a critical. Oh. A critical failure. Okay, so oh, no, I fumbled the first time, and then that somehow I did it again. So. <laughs> okay, so I am here we very go. aware of whatever's happening. <laughs> uh, Surya, if you could open up your character sheet really quickly for me. Yeah. Okay. Um, and what I want you to do is I want you to go to your perception skill. Okay. Uh, click on it to open it up. Okay. Uh, you see how there is some check boxes on your other. Yeah. Yep. And now add one to your training. Make it a twenty-seven. Okay. Oh, it's minor tangent. These guys also, I feel like, played Burning Wheel because, like, leveling via failure is a huge Burning Wheel thing. Yeah, actually, you know, sidebar, I was just listening to when you ran Torchbearer. Um, yeah, exactly. And uh, and that came up. I was like, oh, yeah, look at that. All right. Anyway, yeah, yeah, uh, that's pretty cool. Um, An awesome anyway, mechanic. All right. So, yeah, so you, uh, yeah, you learn through... Uh, by making cataclysmic mistakes and uh we check the fumbled box because that means you're not able to fumble and prove it again uh, until next session okay um so uh so that happens but somebody rolled a critical success we got dr patil wait who rolled the fumble yeah no so that's a, that's the thing so i i accidentally uh it was delayed so i oh like, okay. so my first was a fumble my second was a critical well wow. actually yeah it was a square range no, it was a. Uh, has a critical. Critical. Yeah. Uh, Doctor Calder has a formidable success. Okay, those are all good. Um, I failed across the board. Yeah. So, 
That burger hit you hard. That burger hit you hard. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, no, it's just uh, the uh, NPR podcast that you're listening to. No, no, no. No, 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 no. Hold on. <laughs> Uh-oh, here we go. Metallica. Take it in, boys. <laughs> All right, yeah, it's hard. It's hard for me. I, I'm not real... Uh aware of other things once I plug my earbuds in. Yeah. So this um, is classical music, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Um so yeah, so Young He and Dr. Calder, you both uh hear some clanging coming from the left again through that closed door that uh I think Young He you heard it earlier. No, I yes. heard it earlier. Oh, okay. Okay. So now, um, two other people, yeah, Dr. Calder, Dr. Younghee, you both sort of turn hearing some weird clanging coming, uh, from the left. It's not right on the left. It seems distant. Like it's coming through a door. And as you are sort of noticing that you see sort of the ship's, you know, mechanic, uh, Jake walk by and he's muttering under his breath and he's like the fucking guys, what are the, what did he fucking do? Wait a minute. Did he just go down? Hold on. And then he turns back around and he starts going back where he came. Which is away from or toward the, the banging? Toward the banging, but you don't see what he does as he goes away from the uh, doorway. Okay. So I'm going to beeline to, I don't even know his name, but Mackenzie. Mm -hmm. And basically just like, break his privacy ball for like tap him on the shoulder because i'm assuming he seems like for what's going on, about to happen the most qualified person <laughs> in the room <laughs> all right so yeah duck he starts tapping you on the shoulder what do you do uh i'll uh i'll uh pop one earbud out and kind of look at him with an eye an eyebrow raised and i'm just like i understand that you seem to have a zero tolerance for bullshit. <laughs> but I also feel like what is currently happening, you're the most suited to assist. <laughs> I, and, you know, uh, yeah, I'm going to look at you with, with, like, a lot of disdain on my face. He just um, takes, <laughs> takes it in. <laughs> and uh, and I'll, I'll pop the other earbud out, and I'll be like, what the hell are you talking about? There's a lot of noise coming from down the hallway, and the mechanic did not seem to be excited about whatever it is. I know the other man mentioned O2 levels like <sighs> an hour ago. I'll, uh, I'll, uh, that sigh was my character. <laughs> and I'll, I'll put my earbuds away. And um, do, do we, are we allowed to bring weapons with us on here? Are we armed? Yeah, yeah, you can have your like personal weapons. Um, yeah, that's not a big deal. I mean, my personal weapon is a like I have a, a blaster rifle, but I'm guessing that's not copacetic, right? Well, would that be with my luggage or something? Yeah, I was gonna say, yeah, you're not uh strapping it over your shoulder, but yeah, it could I be. Mean, but I have, I have daggers, I still have my daggers. Yeah, okay, you could have that on you. Okay, pistols you could probably have on you, but like a, a, a blaster, you said kind of like a rifle, blaster rifle, yeah, yeah, that might be sort of in your personal effects. Maybe I have to. Maybe I should have taken a blaster pistol. But oh well. Um, I mean, you can go get it if you want. It's just over. I, my, I have my briefcase on me and open it up 
and I'm not like happy I did this, but I, I, I do it in a way that only McKenzie sees it. And I pull out like a, it's like a small gun. Mm. I'm I, like, sigh, I sigh again. <laughs> like, please return as I hand it to him. Is it like an yeah. emasculating Derringer or something? Yeah, or, yeah, you know, it's like a Saturday Night Special bullshit. What is, is the, it even, is it, is, it, is, it, is it vacuum, uh, is it like recoilless or? Uh... Oh, it's a, it's a palm blaster is what they refer to it as. So it's a blaster. Okay. It's just like, it'd be like the one, the okay. what I thought of when I read it was like that tiny one that Princess Amidala has in Phantom yeah. Menace. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. I'll, uh, I'll sigh a little bit, but I'll take it and I'll head down the hall. Okay. I'll, I'll walk out in the hall and see. Now, when I get out in the hall, do I hear these sounds still? Uh, yeah, you know, it, now that you have your earbuds out and you're in the hall, it's definitely coming from uh, down the hall that direction. Uh, which of oh, that way? Okay. Uh, um, yeah. I'll head that way. Okay. Um, um, and what do the rest of you guys do while he starts heading towards the direction of the noise? We don't see the gun drawn. And we think you'd have to roll for it if you wanted to see that exchange. I, I have conceal I can roll for. Yeah, why don't we do, everybody give me a, we're going to do an opposed roll. Um, Sorry. The wrong yeah, yeah, so your roll is conceal if you're trying to keep it secret. Everyone else, uh, your perception. And I, I wouldn't roll it up. Right. Uh, it looks like. Dr. Mac definitely saw the handoff. Dr. Calder did not. Out. Yeah. Uh, what did you roll? You did a standard. I did. Okay. I Dr. Calder did, did hear someone mention O2. So he, he pulls out his briefcase and makes sure his emergency uh, vacuum suit is, is in there. All right. Do you have an emergency vacuum suit in your briefcase? Yeah, it's it's like a. It's a belt, I think. No, right? yeah. No, no, it's 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 different. This is like like a like a package probably the size of of a sub sandwich and <clears throat> and you you throw it on quickly if if there's a, a vacuum event it'll keep you alive and breathing for a few hours did but, i uh, and did i id where like at any of the um airlocks were there suits uh yeah so there are like you know basic vac suits if you needed one at the airlock yeah Okay, and did I see any airlocks when I was exploring around? Like, is any one of these things an airlock? I'm assuming I would recognize it. There you go. That would be one. Okay. And there are, you sort of would have passed two on this half of the station on your... And Farpoint Station is, it's on a, like a moon? So Farsight Station um, orbits Triton around Neptune. Okay, so we're in space. All right. Yeah, yeah. I, oh, this is the, uh, it's rotating to give us gravity, but we're not walking on the outer. Right. Yeah. I don't, did I send you this picture of the station? You would, well, you were bitching about that they did the map and didn't understand how gravity or how fake gravity works. But. Right. Well, there's a lot of things in that. Like in one of the descriptions, they're like, you know, this part of the station has, you know, you know, has less gravity. And I'm like, assholes, it can't have less gravity if it's coming from a spin. <laughs> like you can't do that so like again there's all these little things you could have different rings spinning at different speeds right but, but not the same the ring. ring i'm like no and so it sort of shakes my confidence like it just feels like they weren't really thinking or they don't really understand science fiction as they write it yeah um, that, that's not understanding science 
Right. Going to say right. that they're not understanding science, not the science fiction. Not science fiction. Right. So <laughs> that they, made... they watch Star Trek and nothing else. <laughs> yeah. Right. Right. So that was frustrating me when I was first getting into this. There's a lot of like little oversights that I wish, you know, for a paid product, they would have cleaned up and thought about for more than 10 seconds. Um, yeah. Anyway. That's neither here nor there. So you, Duck, are in the hallway. Uh, what are the rest of you guys doing as Duck sort of... So wait, wait. So so what did I have to roll to see that... By the uh, way, the conceal roll was a failure also. So if you were doing an opposed roll, right? I, yeah, I think almost it. anyone could could have seen it. Okay. Uh, well, who did the Except, conceal? It was Surya, right? Surya Patel? No, it was Yunhi. Surya. Surya was concealing, right? No, oh, no Yunhi. 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 Yeah. Okay. So yeah. Sorry. So yeah. The the role, the conceal role, was a failure. So. So if we success standard success, we would we have seen. You would definitely yeah. have seen it. You all, all right. saw me give him a gun. <laughs> so right. So then I have this shock look on my face, bewildered look. Like, what are you? What are you doing? I, I'm already out in the hall. So if your if your shocked face is looking at me, I'm not paying attention. <laughs> I am. Is that little robot still around? Uh, no, he's taken off. Okay, of course. Is the bartender here? There's no actual bartender. Mm, it's like a little droid that comes out. It's, it's a touchpad. Yeah, like yeah. yeah. Some some kale falls out of Doctor Mac's mouth <laughs> while he watches the deal go down, and he kind of looks around, and then he sees uh, he sees. Um, uh Jesse's character, Dr. Calder, uh pull out like uh the emergency suit. And <laughs> then as the kale falls into his lap, he pulls out his little needle gun. It's a 357 needle gun, I'll have you <laughs> I'll have you know. Uh can can, can we get a, a fanny pack for that 357? <laughs> you know, I almost so. gave my character a fanny pack. I decided <laughs> He's he's an academic. Mm -hmm. He's he's a little too. Story checks out. Yeah. Is um. Fanny pick. Is Albert hiding? Or is is Albert hiding it, Matt? Oh he no, he won't... like very uh like he starts to fr like once he sees the handoff, the lettuce drops, and then he sees Doctor Calder going for the emergency suit. He like very abruptly and very loudly like tips a salad onto the floor. And pulls out the, uh, he keeps it strapped to his boot or in his boot. I like for the first time smile at Dr. Albert and then like a bat out of hell out of this bar and away from where the engineer was heading. Cause I'm gonna look for a place with an air life support system. Okay. So yeah, so you remember seeing suits back by airlocks. I don't know if you can see my ping on the map or not. The oh, robot tour guide pointed them out to us. Yes, yeah, he did. I completely ignored yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. So you're heading back to get a suit. Dr. Mac, you have kale falling out of your mouth, but what else are you going to do? <laughs> oh, I'm still staying in the bar, just holding my gun. Got it. Nervously okay. looking around the others. Yeah. Uh, Dr. Patel and Dr. Calder, what are you guys doing? I, I'm asking Dr. Mac, what, what, what is going on? She's confused. Okay. Uh, how about Dr. Uh, Dr. Calder? Dr. Calder, now that he knows he has his uh, his emergency suit, goes back to eating and, and <laughs> pours another beer. Nice. Hell All yeah. right. Cool. All right. So 
David Mack, as you're sort of, are you sort of heading towards that door? Yep. All right. As you do so, as you're sort of walking down the hall, you almost run into Jake, the mechanic, whom you probably didn't meet because you sort of skipped the introductions. Right. He almost runs into you coming from the lift down to level two. And he's like, I need you to get out of my way. I got a lot to do. And he's just already sort of walking past you like he barely recognized that you were in front of him a second ago. And is he heading away from the noise? Yeah, he's heading away from the noise. Everybody in the galley, you see Jake sort of walk by, again, still huffing, sighing, flustered, like the weight of the world on his shoulders. So before he gets too far, did you want to do anything before he gets out of earshot? No, I, I mean, I don't know him, right? I don't know right. what his job is, and he he's not going toward what appears to be the problem, so I'm going to right. ignore him. And how about anybody in the galley? Do you care that he's walking by or just let him go? Jake, just let him go. Yeah, he just yeah, keeps walking. I'm, I'm. Well, he just got here. I... <laughs> right. <laughs> okay. I mean... So yeah, he walks down the hall. Everybody loses sight of him. Uh, so yeah, Doc, you arrive at this door, and what you see is the door. Uh, you know, says locked. Access to restricted area denied. But you can clearly hear something's banging behind that door. And then you notice there's like a little readout that shows that the O2 levels behind this door are not zero, but they're not 100%. Hmm. Well, I wouldn't want them to be 100%. That would be dangerous. Um, uh, right, right. But you know what I mean? Like the air, uh, air quality, the air levels, atmosphere levels, I should say. Uh, okay. The, is it, are you saying, can I, from the readout, is it when you say O2, you mean the, the pressure behind the is is some percentage of standard atmospheric pressure so uh right it's not um because they probably don't have an o2 sensor right they probably just have a pressure gauge yes yeah so there is some atmosphere behind that door but it's not full atmosphere like the rest of the station can i tell how much what how what the level of uh yeah say it's like 60 percent so okay. you might need some breathing gear if you're going to go in there. Yeah, that's bad. Uh, opening this door would cause a lot of problems. Uh, I'm going to turn around and uh, walk very quickly toward the airlock. All right. Um, so the airlock is back, you know, back there. Yeah, that's where I'm at, actually. Yeah. So you guys are at the airlock. Uh, how about you, you people in the galley? Are you still hanging out? Yeah, I um, mean, uh, yeah. yeah. I mean, in my eyes, it's just people walking by the door. Okay. <laughs> uh, uh, and is there a suit that looks like it would fit me? Yeah, yeah, there's a whole I line of suits. getting it on. Cool. All right. So you guys get vacuum suits. Uh, and I'm going to, where would my, uh, like, luggage be? Your luggage would be uh, back here, if you can see that ping. Yep. That's uh, the general crew quarters. Okay. Right? Oh, and I'll, but that's my next. I'm going back to get my stuff. Okay, cool. I'm going to shadow him now that I'm with him. Okay. Uh, let's see. General equipment. Uh, Did you put a suit on? I do. Caleb? I have a suit on. Okay. Like, hopefully you're like, of course, that's where you went as soon as you gave me your gust. Okay, so what I'm going to do is uh, for whoever grabbed one, uh, Mac and uh, Yun Hee, I'm going to give you guys 
um, utility spacesuits really quickly and your equipment. Boom and boom. Okay, cool. So you should have those now in your inventory. There you go. Uh, yeah, so you guys now are, are you, did, did you don the suits? Are you walking around in the suits oh, yeah. now? Yep. Okay, cool. I probably right. don't have the, uh, like the, the helmet's probably not down. If you know, if there's a way to like leave the visor up or something, All right. but it's definitely down. in a mode where I could snap it on very quickly. So guys in the galley, when you saw them go by the first time, it's just people walking a hall. Now you see people in spacesuits walking back the other direction. Uh, how does that make you feel? Well, I'm not going all the way back to the galley, right? I'm going to my oh, room. No. You're going to your room, right? And yeah. uh, you can hear you're just following along, uh, shadowing? As long as he'll let me shadow. All right. Um, cool. Okay. So, yeah. I'm so, you guys. The galley has a, uh, has a, has a pressure door. I'm, I'm going to close that and lock it. Oh, okay. Well, maybe we should. Do you think we should take a look? No. Okay. <laughs> take a look at what? Yeah. I mean, I just be careful you're not using your player knowledge to influence your character actions. No, right? I, I mean, the, I, I don't know what that I'm means. Talking um, to Jesse. I'm talking about Jesse, right? Because um, he, there's, he has no idea that there's any. I mean, it's a space station. I guess that's the probably the biggest risk. But yeah. so I guess you could argue it from that standpoint. No, if if I see, oh, so wait, did we or did we not see people in spacesuits? No, we, apologies, not yet. They they, okay. they were making but a then, pit stop. Then, yes, then then Duck is right. I I did not yeah. close and and lock the door. I'm, I'm well, still if, eating. In our in our trip over here. You know, again, uh, Dave Mac, David Mac, uh, you know, was certainly going to be standoffish. But, you know, did we get any weird, paranoid, you know, vibes from him? Kind of <laughs> unhinged, you know? I don't know. Doc, did you give any of those off or was it just cold disdain? Uh, the disdain, like, I don't. I probably wouldn't have an excessive amount of uh, disdain for Dr. Patel. Um, what is what is your background, Dr. Patel? Uh, let's see. I'm from. Interestingly Indiana, enough, Yoonghee, rural... I would probably have the most disdain for. Followed, and uh, Dr. Mac would probably be just in general on general principles. Yeah, would be close behind. I mean, I'm just a rule following doctor. You know, do you who you work for? Uh, well, I must. I, I I think I said I work for the corporation. So I'm just a oh yeah, no, I I would give you complete and utter uh, disdain. Okay, <laughs> don't we all work for the corporation? <laughs> oh uh, no. yeah yeah yeah. Jung Hee's a diplomat for Korea. Doctor Mac is his own boss. Um, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I, yeah I'm. Uh, yeah, I, I, like I I'm, I'm very antisocial. But um, yeah. you, I, I don't know how much Dr. Patel would have in psychology, but yeah, I mean, I don't know if you want him to roll or not, but the, I wouldn't give off the impression of being like insane, just not friendly. I mean, pulling out a gun, you know, we, within a couple of hours of getting on a new space station, <laughs> Do, am, I, well, am, I, am I getting an insane vibe here or? <laughs> so It seems insane to me. Right. So, so at this point, then, Duck, have you gotten your blaster rifle? I have. Okay. And now, where do you guys go from there? Um, I'm gonna go. Give him that gun back. Yeah, I give it back. Okay. Okay. 
Um, I am going to head like the uh, the dock, the uh, the place we came in. Is this like this is the elevator down to there? I think that's where you came in. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to I'm going to head back that way. OK. Um, All right. And uh, you can hear you're going to keep shadowing. And so people in the galley, now you see two people in spacesuits walk by. With a one with a blaster rifle. <laughs> with a goddamn gun, yeah. <laughs> what are you guys gonna do? Well, now, they seem to have it under control. <laughs> I think we should uh, seal this this door. All right. So you any just any objections? Um. Well, she kind of puts her head out and is like, because I'm presuming in in their suits, walking by, we wouldn't be able to tell who they were. Uh, well, they didn't have their helmets on. Oh, okay. At least from what Tuck was saying. That mine, so, yeah, mine isn't on. So thinking that I might get more information from Young He, I sort of call out to her and say, Young He, what, what's going on? Why does he have a rifle? All right. And Young He, how do you respond? And Duck, what are you doing while they're talking? I'll, uh, I'll, I'll stop and turn. And I'll look at Young He like I'm wondering what she's gonna say. <laughs> yeah, Young He, what are you doing with a gun? I, I've got a cannon here. What am I doing with a gun? I guess what I say is it's like, I have a bad feeling, and where I'm from, you can never be too careful. I'll actually look at her and raise an eyebrow. All right, we're on and... a. I say Sorry. we're on a science spaceship, space station. What, what do you mean? And I guess I just give like a like, oof, like, <laughs> you think all science is for good stuff? <laughs> yeah, well, right. And, and I'm, I'm definitely playing, you know, that clue, uh, the, the clueless, I just want to help people. I don't want to hurt anybody kind of doc. So them walking around with him walking around with a rifle, I just don't. I'm like, what? Right. With the mouthful of kale, Dr. Max says, you should know, doctor, that science is very dangerous. <laughs> nice and uh and duck what are you gonna do you were doing something when you paused to listen to young he's response uh, i was just i was just curious what she what she was gonna say and i, okay. I actually uh kind of smile when she says what she says as long as she's not looking at me and then okay. i'll i'll just say uh and then i'll just turn and head down to the to the um dock level oh you're gonna go down a level uh so or are you yeah. going down the lift? Okay, so you're going to go down the lift. The noise was from over here, but you're going to go down. Well, I don't, I mean, I'm not going to open that door. Okay, cool. Because, um, <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm a belter, right? I know that opening, you know, a, a differential of 40% uh, of atmospheric pressure is a strong and powerful thing um, that you don't want to have happen, right? And probably wouldn't let me open the door, right? I don't have the access, so. My thinking is uh, above the table, like the dock levels, like the dock level seems like where shit would be going on. Uh, and uh, also above the table, not I would have volunteered this to anyone, right? I have this, I have, I have had run-ins with pirates in the past, which is also why I got my rifle. Not that, that, you know, and I have no idea what's in this module, but that's what I think my character would be super paranoid that like something's going on. All right. So with that, Duck heroically steps into the elevator, uh, into the lift. Did you give him, like, a, is anybody coming, or you just sort of silently let the door close? I'm going with him. Like, surpri being surprisingly courageous, I guess what I'd say. Because I am not, like, like, I'll go for my stats. 
I'm not the most physical being in the world. I'm pretty short, very thin. Okay. <laughs> All right. Uh, everybody else is still in the galley. Did you close the door now that you've seen spacesuits? <laughs> yeah, I, so think, I did. Yeah, I All think right. we. I'm and I'm down for closing the door once they. As soon as All the right. door closes, and he says, "Well, uh, we might as well kill some time." Can I tell you about prime primaxium? Is this a good time? <laughs> All right. Can I just shake my head and I'm, I'm saying, but, but "Do you think everything is okay? What What do you think is going on?" <laughs> All right. So yeah, with that, you guys are uh, in for the count for the paraxium sales pitched, uh, <laughs> Duck. And uh, Caleb, you've just stepped into the lift and the door closes to take you down to level two, and we will stop there. Nice. Ooh. <laughs> Cliffhanger. Mm -hmm. right. I feel like it's like they, the whole uh, interlude could be just like elevator music and us kind of standing awkwardly in an elevator like you do with me with my rifle kind of at easy rest, parade rest. <laughs> it's so good. <laughs> That's going to be the first 30 minutes of next session. That's right. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Who's the leader um, of Paraxium? Me. <laughs> <laughs> you are the leader, right? I mean, it's a small little thing, but you you run it. Yeah, yeah. Dr. Mac is, is the leader. He's had some uh, small success spreading it in Jonestown, which is a rural Earth community. Um, <laughs> but... Yeah, it's not that big yet. Avatar choice is S tier terrifying. <laughs> yeah. Pretty good. Oh, that's you get that that's Keith Raniere. That's the yeah. Nexium guy. I watched that whole thing. It's just like good oh, so crazy. Yeah. <laughs> uh and the the reason um I picked the weapon I did is your darkest reason you can imagine why he has a stun gun. <laughs> I like yeah that, that checks out yeah totally yeah. come get your branding <laughs> awesome right. awesome work art this is cool oh, yeah, really yeah. Yeah. appreciate really. it hopefully it was, i didn't know if it was yeah. just a bunch of nothing that was too slow but uh yeah setting the setting the stage yeah. Mm -hmm. And so we do have another session already in the books. And I, I, I think I was talking this up a little bit in the rock channel. I apologize. This might be like a three session. I don't know if it's going to be a literal two session, but we can stop whenever people want to stop and or people want to drop out or however it works out for everybody. We'll figure it out. Um, but I'm very anyway. into this so far. I, I wasn't really aware. I'd heard like 23 AD, mm -hmm. but that whole background yeah. thing made character creation like a cakewalk, which was nice. Oh, cool. <laughs> I've always, I, I didn't grow up playing Traveler. I grew up playing 2300 AD. And so that's my, my bias. And uh, I've never run it. Um, I never had the chance. I've only played in other games. So uh, when I saw this adventure, this your I'm, chance. yeah, I was like, fuck it. I'm going to take this adventure. And even if it's just a one shot or whatever, I'm going to set it in 2300 AD for literally no reason. <laughs> um, but we'll see if the reasons start to come out at all. Um, anyway, I really appreciate it, guys. I hope this this wasn't too much of a train wreck. I hope it was all right. Yeah, no, no, it was great. Was good, dude. Yeah, good. Go to the next one. Yeah, yeah, cool. for sure. Cool. I gotta take all off. Right. See yeah. You. yeah. All right, boys. Have a good night, guys. Take care. Good all right. Have a good night. Bye. Later, folks.
I, yeah, I'm always confused about that, right? Because you know, most of the time, I know that you've talked about triple redundancy before, but 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 shouldn't you know why why doesn't Craig work the first time, and why would GR work? Well, there's better than uh, Alistair. Are they the same program, just different names? Or are they something? They are the same program. Um, I think it, it, one of the so they don't really understand the guy who created all this crap. Like it's from Discord, right? And I don't think Discord shares everything. Gotcha. And is not, I think, super helpful about figuring out why they fail. But <laughs> one of the theories is that if too many people are using Craig. Um, then he'll begin to fail. So oh. the Alistair is only available to Patreon backers. So there should gotcha. be, at any given time, less people using Alistair. And GARC, I think, is less used than Craig. So if it's a... So this behavior right here, where Craig is not joining, uh, but Alistair and GARC, probably means there's a lot of people recording right now. Gotcha. All right. So, so that's part of it. All right. Well, so do you... Have you ever just gone with just, well, is there any reason to not have two or three of them record? Not it, that I know of. Okay. Because, and, and, you know, at the end of the day, as long as, like, what you want is you want one of them to have stayed in and recorded the whole thing because then you're not splicing. So yeah. um, your odds are better. And splicing is not the end of the world. But, you know, somebody's got to notice that they drop. I mean, the things we can do. Like you can change the server location. Sometimes that helps. Uh, I've never really known it to do too much, but I don't know where we're set now. Uh, you know, is I don't know if anybody's heard. Is Rex jumping in tonight, or did I, he ever if, say he was actually going to play? Or I don't know. I, I'm guessing if he didn't say anything, he is not. He wasn't in my DCC game last night. Okay. Which he is a uh, member of. Mm, okay. Uh, Hopefully everything's all right. I guess I don't. I should have. Oh, he just had to work late yesterday. Server settings. Review. Server region. Oh, they're available for each voice channel. Interesting. Um, region override. Weird. I think we want to and talk so, about. Sorry, go ahead. Well, I was going to ask just real quick. Uh, is this? Do you anticipate this to go longer than just these two sessions at all, or? <laughs> so the short answer is probably. The longer answer is. <laughs> I was told by people on the interwebs that you could do this in two brisk sessions. Um, <laughs> so four for us. <laughs> well, and so that's a problem. So like, I, I think what we might end up having is a, a, a bit of session zero uh, and then get started, but I'm not hundred percent sure. The, the other thing is I can just bypass chunks of the adventure if getting it done in two is important. Um, it's not like a overly complicated adventure and there's parts that you don't actually have to do. Um, but it depends. Also, there's a, I, I, I was thinking like when they said it's like doable in like two sessions, about two and a half hours each, I don't know if that part will be possible to two and a half hours. And then. Yeah. I mean, I think as who is it? 
who was talking? It was in our Forbidden Lands, aka Roundtable session. Someone was talking about going through some module. Was it you, Pete? In some ridiculous amount of time, some huge module when they were a kid. We yeah. did the uh, Volturnus. Oh, no, 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 that wasn't me. We did the oh, Star Frontiers Volturnus all three right. in it was you. 18 it was hours. Yeah, yeah. Um, see, that's not really the experience I want in an RPG these days. That's all right. I'm saying. So, um, if if Pete, are you are you um, thinking you really want it to be two sessions, or are you just asking the question? Well, no, I, I was asked, just asking the question from from a couple different perspectives. One is, you know, I got my little notebook out, you know, so I'm wondering, well, do I devote a number of pages to this? Because, oh, Jesus Christ! You know, <laughs> you know, a, it's gonna, you know, that's, that's how long great. it might. How long it might go, or B, really, do you see it going past this adventure? Is 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 almost the other thing, you know? Is that something you're like, well, yeah, I kind of hoping it'll go longer than, you know, not not just this adventure, but but going forward. Um, that I will leave entirely. If there are people that want to keep going, uh, I have set this up in a way that it can which is why I was doing a lot of extra work on the background, but it doesn't have to, for those that want to drop yeah. out. Well, cause it, and that was my, my sort of the reason why I was thinking, you know, it did sound like there was a lot of background stuff that you've come up with and, and, you know, sharing. And I'm thinking, well, this sounds like it's more than just, you know, sort of a one shot. Um, and, and, and honestly, Art I don't like to invest in things and then sell them off. Pete, I just want to make sure you're aware of that. Well, well he likes right, to but... like, he likes to like have his investment be just, completely driven down to zero <laughs> right but it's, it's a he gets some pleasure out of that I think. but it seems like he does that and doesn't even take the string wrap right and so yeah it seems like it's he's putting them more work well, than he, he took normally the shrink wrap off. no no his, yeah. all the shit i bought from him has a shrink wrap off Who knows? Oh, okay all right. maybe he <laughs> makes player aids and all that kind of shit and then sells them right yeah. right right okay <laughs> well, and, and, you know, the other thing, too, is that, you know, I, I certainly don't mind. See, I'm, I'm used to playing you know, about a four-hour session or so, you know, for, and, and I'm also wondering if, you know, the reason why it takes so long is, yeah, when you're doing two-hour sessions, two-and-a-half tops, you know, it, and, and this goes to the experience issue that you guys, you know, is that I just don't know if you guys play long enough, you know, it's like you need to sort of double all those sessions, right? Yeah, right. well, I can tell you this, Pete, none of my sessions will ever be that long because... Uh, and four hours as a GM, you're all dying. If you're in my <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, no, I, I, can, I can understand. I can understand. But it just was that's you know it's a a little bit of a flip flop, right? So. <laughs> I'm sorry. What did you say? What did you What did you call me? <laughs> <laughs> okay, you're dead. <laughs> all right, I'm gonna make Jesse's character from Caltech instead of MIT. Oh, you should make him play someone from MIT because that would that would grind his gears. Well, that's the thing. There are Caltech actually comes up in the adventure, sort of. Oh, and I was just telling him I'll swap it. So the Caltech oh, part will be MIT and he'll be. Of course, he's like playing a disgraced professor who like <laughs> bullshitted stuff. And <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, you're too good. Too nice. But but yeah, the the short answer to your question, uh, Pete, is if people dig it, it can keep going. And if people, you know, because everybody's, you know, we've said it a million times, everybody's super busy. Uh, and this wasn't 
meant to be like taking over 12 weeks of somebody's calendar. Um, yeah. Gotcha, gotcha. So well, people well, I mean, it will never take over 12 consecutive weeks. Let's just do no, it that no, way. No. <laughs> Not even once a month. But um, yeah, I, I at one point I was like, oh, maybe I should be pushing to get like a dedicated once a month kind of. And I was like, you know what? Like people will remember the story. They won't remember the story. It'll just I'll let it fit wherever it fits if that helps people stay and they actually want to stay. So I figure if people don't want to stay, they'll bail. Well, I'm glad that um, that I'm not having to GM this system because it's it's it, it seems pretty cool but it seems like there's a lot it's too much for me to like i'm i'm glad there's other people who have to have to know the rules inside and out and I can play. <laughs> well as you watch this evening most likely oh hey caleb sorry i didn't hear you uh jump in you're good just let you talk. Um, uh, so yeah you'll find out tonight that 95 percent of the time i'm using three rules um <laughs> so if combat comes up that's when it'll slow down a little bit obviously uh but and it's well, meant a passion to... for nonviolence, so hopefully that helps out. Okay, and um, somebody, I think Matt's character, the the cult leader, um, I don't think he took any fighting. Yeah, I did. Oh, you did. Wait, Remember? wait. Who's? Oh, Pete, you didn't take any fighting. Uh, Surya, she doesn't have any fighting. That's what it she was. She doesn't have any fighting. Yeah, I'm. Yeah. I'm hope. Though I though I did um, I did take something uh, equipment wise. What did I do? I think you just took a stun stick. Yeah, I picked yeah. a stun stick because I figured, you know, that kind of where she goes, you know, sometimes she's got to sort of tell someone to back back off or they're, they're like out of control. And her little way of boom, you know, you're you're going to quiet down right now while I examine you stun. <laughs> <laughs> it's like the armed sexy nun telling everybody to shut up. Yeah. Um, yeah. Higher bodyguard, possibly, depending on how the session goes. <laughs> <laughs> so, do we got one, two, three? Uh, okay, Young He. Okay, so again, like I, I, I added Rex in, but I don't know if I've ever heard him say he was coming. And I know usually. Yeah, and if he doesn't say anything, he, just assume he's not. Okay. Um, has he said anything in the channel really quickly? Uh, so, we're just waiting for Jesse, I guess. Does he know that we're on. Um... Advance after recording. He's been yeah. on here before. Yeah, he's 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 on this channel. Hey, Art, so where is, could I find equipment real quick? Well, we're doing yeah. This. I'm gonna uh, so, so I was equipment. actually just about to say, if anybody wants to take a look at equipment while we're waiting, uh, if you go to the compendium, if you go to the M Space folder, mm -hmm. go to M Space Equipment. Well, equipment. everything's under there. Right. Uh, now, for part of character creation, you get to pick like a free weapon. That's sort of one weapon that matches your combat style. You get to pick, you know, well, you know, Matt, we were doing it last night. But for the others, you know, if you haven't done it, pick. Uh, I'm assuming know, pick, my pregen is all pregenerated. Uh, he or do I is. Need to do this still? You, it's not going to be the end of the world if you don't. Um, no. But if you want some equipment, um, he does not have any weapons. Yeah, pick uh what's he's got uh, some combat though. He's got He's yeah, he's a little pistols bit he's got and daggers. Blasters and daggers. Pistols and daggers. Pistols and daggers. Yeah, so you uh, could pick a combat a, styles, gunnery and unarmed. Uh spacefaring. Spacefaring combat style? So the way combat style works in Mithras and in M Space is you sort of come up with like a character concept and then you sort of apply weapons that would fit to it. So in this case, spacefaring is dagger and, and blasters. So blaster rifle, blaster pistol, the, that class of weapons. You can pick 
one or the other. Um, give yourself like 3000 bucks. Uh, pick a couple of pieces of equipment that you think you would have. If you want some armor, pay for that. Cost is per location. Ooh, cauterizing. Blaster pistol heavy. That motherfucker's in the East Front 2 lobby. What? No, just kidding. <laughs> um, okay, let's see. Yeah, give yourself three grand if we didn't roll up any money and then just buy some shit if you want it. If you want to be lefty instead of a righty, I don't really care, but the handedness does technically matter. Yeah, I, was, uh, I read some of the rules and was like wondering what systems the guys who designed this have played. Some of yeah, the did, stuff did it feel like it was in common? Uh, the, some of the stuff like the passions definitely is very similar to how those are handled in Pendragon. Okay. And the XP is how the experience gain happens also seems very similar. Okay. So I saw both those and I was like, okay, these guys, I, it was like, I read that. I was like, there's no way they have not played Pendragon and only because that <laughs> game, that game's like 30 years old. So I feel like they like stuff and took it, which I'm all for Cause those mechanics are awesome. Now, out of curiosity, is Pendragon like a BRP D100 offshoot? It's weird in that sense. It's like this crazy D20 system is the best way I can explain oh, okay. it. But you have this like the thing where it's like, I'm going to do this thing. And since I have this passion, I get this bonus to it based on my passion stat. Okay. That is totally a thing that Pendragon has. Got it. Yeah, that was new for me. Uh, like... Um, it's I kind of RuneQuestian, right? At but that's source. what I was curious. Yeah, this all comes from RuneQuest, but I wasn't sure. Uh, it definitely... why. I think it's all RuneQuest. Yeah, because that was definitely not in Legend when I started running Deus Vault. That was all new. Did Greg Stafford write RuneQuest? Yeah. Okay, that tracks 100% then. Okay. I need to play yeah, that Greg Stafford time. is the, he's the Glorantha guy, right? So in, in uh, RuneQuest yeah. is set in Glorantha originally. My bullet list to check those out sometime. The uh, the the new box set. I've gone. Dave's run me through the character creation. It's it's pretty interesting, but definitely the passions are still in there for sure. Oh, it's such a good it's such a good mechanic. It is dragon. It rules just because like you have like passion for your family or something, right. and I feel like it's just so great to do it's stuff the in same, battle. It's it's the same in RuneQuest that you know you. It's a very tribal world and all that kind of stuff. So uh, it works out pretty well. Or, actually, I've just done character creation. I haven't actually played. Uh, no, we didn't play. We were going to play at the con and we didn't play because of the damn naval minis guys. But anyway. <laughs> I, I took a blaster and a dagger. Cool. Did you want any armor? Uh, sure. Let me see. I don't have much money left. Well, you don't have to pay for the... Uh... You could you could take a blaster for free. You're allowed one free weapon that matches oh, your sweet. combat skill. Um, you could pay for the dagger if you want. You're a demo guy, demolition well, yeah. guy. I don't know if the, uh, for that. white tactical body armor. Hmm. Biomesh. And then the way it works for people not familiar with this system is you sort of basically what you do is you like I was saying, you you buy it per location. And then you might have to drag it over like seven times or whatever. And then you click mm -hmm. on each one and there should be a drop down menu for a uh, body location. And does is the cost for each location? Correct. Yeah. So it's like some yeah. are going to be like 150 per slot. You can buy like if you don't want to get like light mesh, there's a helmet there. I think that's 
in theory what you should be putting on your head, but I don't care if you just want to get light mesh for your head as well. And we'll say it's a cap or something else. Wow, military body armor. Holy shit. I was going to, at one point, translate, uh, translate. I was going to bring over all of 2300 AD's equipment because it's very, I don't know, it's very, um, it's got a lot of character. It's not so generic. But then I was like, eh, this is less, and it covers the basics. So I was like, that's fine. Yeah, it's not like one of those things where, like, if we want to have something from that tomb of lore, we just go grab it. Right. And if, if people want this to become, like, a huge thing, then maybe I'll slowly migrate in all of the, you know, just slowly convert it. Like, oh, you had a blaster. Now that's a FG-90 whatever, you know, pulse rifle or something. Oh, I had it. Speaking of the setting, what is what language are characters technically speaking? So I, I think, you know, if you listened to the uh, background audiobook, um, <laughs> you know, that France sort of became a powerhouse. But I always assumed that English sort of became the main language as it has here. And despite what happened in between, that sort of became entrenched. So I always assumed that, you know, if your native tongue is Korean, you probably also speak enough English to get by. Well, um, I guess I guess I was wondering, like, do I need to put English as a stat or or a skill, or are we just going to be like everyone can speak this language? Let's um, let me take. Well, native native tongue is uh, right. So native tongue for Kayla would be Korean, um, but language. Yeah, you could put English, or you could put like Chinese, and then just assume there's enough English to get by. Um. I always assume, like, the, the, you're almost never going to make a language check. It's only if you're trying to do something, like, extremely nuanced or... Right. That's what I was curious. Like, do I need to, like, throw 15 points into this? No. So, like, if your language, you know, as a diplomat and you're working, you know, in the Pacific Rim, if you want it to be Mandarin or whatever they speak in Manchuria, that's cool. And we'll just assume enough English to, like, conversation, uh, to make conversation, stuff like that. Okay. Let's be, let me take these 15 points and do something else with them then. Goodbye. Cool. I mean, we, we all have Google Translate, right? <laughs> right. Twilight. The turbulent decades of the early 21st century are largely a cipher to 24th century historians. The near total loss of data infrastructure due to a combination of infrared damage and electromagnetic pulse resulted in fragmentary and unreliable records from the period. By the end of the second decade, all data was online and paper books and records were practically a lost art. The destruction of the online data turned those lost decades into an age of myth and legend. Not only is there little known of the prior history but the survivors seem to have little interest in recording events for posterity. Collectively, this time, stretching from the year 2000 until 2089, is known as Twilight. The exact events of Twilight are unknown and there are 
conspiracy theories that posit the idea that the historical record was actively suppressed. Although details are unknown, some facts are evident. There was a general, yet limited, nuclear exchange that occurred sometime in the period 2020-2030, with heavy damage occurring in much of Europe, Russia, North America, China and India. Notably, France did manage to stay out of the majority of the conflicts, securing oil supplies in North Africa and effectively sealing its borders. The causes of the nuclear exchange are mystery, although there is apocryphal evidence to suggest that it may have been a terrorist incident that triggered the first launches. However, records from this time are effectively non-existent and even the French, who maintained some semblance of records throughout the Twilight Period, are silent on the issue of who started the war. Other events during Twilight included a worldwide influenza epidemic and several other pandemics, especially in the years following the nuclear exchange. There is considerable evidence that at least some of these plagues originated in the bioweapons labs or one or more of the belligerent nations. Years of mass famines followed due to the destruction of national economies and worldwide shipping. In many ways, the nuclear exchange itself was far from the worst event of twilight. However, all of the other events flow naturally from the use of weapons of mass destruction. In 2079, France returned to what was left of international affairs, ending its long isolation. At this point in time, the United States was locked in a three-way civil war. Russia was waging a low-key war with Germany. India and China had virtually disintegrated and most nations had undergone some sort of fragmentation into smaller areas that were easier to control without advanced communications. In 2081, France began launching a constellation of small communications satellites and Earth observer satellites. They also regained control of the remaining geosynchronous communications satellites and the Sagan Array, the former NASA's Deep Space Telescope. This sudden interest in space was a mystery to the other world governments, what was left of them. While all of this activity was going on overhead, France was making overtures to the other nations, offering access to the communications and weather satellite arrays in exchange for cooperation and renewed trade. The first manned mission into space since the start of the twilight period occurred on July 7, 2089. The spacecraft resembled a shuttle of old, although it used air-breathing rockets originally developed by the British, while its payload accelerated out of orbit on a Vasimir plasma rocket, based on a design rescued from a decrepit warehouse in Mexican-occupied Texas. That payload was a small asteroid interceptor, headed out to divert an Earth-crossing asteroid that had odds of greater than 1 in 20 of hitting Earth, the highest risk ever recorded. The mission succeeded and France used the subsequent goodwill to get the global community talking again and restart international trade recovery. With the destruction of the transportation infrastructure during the years of twilight, the demand for petroleum products plummeted, and the nation-states turned towards more readily available sources of fuel, usually natural gas or 
increasingly, hydrogen. At the same time, oil was still necessary for military uses and heavy transportation, what little there was. Towards the close of the twilight period, France, along with Britain and fragments of other European nations, seized control of the Arab Peninsula, deposing what was left of the Saud dynasty. This gave them control of the vast oil fields but bought them decades of terrorist activity until the oil fields were exhausted in the mid-2100s. Into the power vacuum that followed twilight stepped the only Western nation not devastated by the fighting, France, which had withdrawn from the UN and sealed its borders in the early years of twilight, with its numerous and far-flung territories on the African continent and in the Pacific, France re-established a commercial interest in peaceful world trade and calm international relations. French power was projected to resolve disputes among quarreling nations, but French national policy was not overtly imperialistic. By 2100, the French were politically involved in virtually every region in the world and French military forces imposed peace in those regions, albeit sometimes a very uneasy one. After France's stunning asteroid diversion mission in 2089, the world began to return to space in the 2090s with limited surveillance, weather and communication satellite launches and followed in the early 2100s with manned missions. By the end of the first decade of the 2100s, near-Earth orbit was cluttered with solar power satellites and orbital factories. France's heavy investment in space for the twilight diversion paid big dividends, allowing France to establish a commanding presence in orbit and giving it the ability to sell launch cycles and solar power to any nations that wanted them. As time went on, the conquest of space naturally produced disputes concerning territoriality, access to orbits and the appropriateness of specific targets in conflicts. A continuing international discussion culminated in a series of treaties and agreements collectively known as the Melbourne Accords. The Melbourne Accords had three major provisions, certain orbits around Earth were demilitarized, power satellites properly operated and certified were classified as civilian targets, rather than military targets and other worlds. At that time the Moon, Mars, Mercury and the Jovian satellites were declared open to colonization by all nations, with limits being placed on such colonization. The Melbourne Accords bound signatories to its provisions only with respect to other signatories. Many smaller nations signed immediately. Holdouts among the major powers included the ESA, France, Bavaria, Britain and Ozania, the successor to South Africa and Canton. Canton signed in 2128, while the ESA did not sign until 2183. Major wars. The wars of the century following twilight were characterized by struggles for the resources needed to survive and recover. Mexico seized portions of the American Southwest, including Texas, parts of New Mexico, Arizona and Southern California, for their resources, both mineral and technological. America was too busy fighting a new civil war to intervene. The multinational 
French-led force that occupied Saudi Arabia provided another good example of this sort of war, short and intense, with a clear purpose. Likewise, the war between Canton and Indochina 20 years later was over oil and the ill-fated attempt by Russia to conquer Ukraine in 2095 was for the latter nation's resources. These wars were instrumental in deciding which nations would prosper and which would not, in the coming years. The second age of exploration, the conquest of space opened a new frontier for the nations of Earth and, naturally, an age of exploration followed. Expeditions to Mars by France and, later, America were launched early in the century, along with expeditions to Mercury conducted by Manchuria. Later expeditions visited the asteroids and the moons of Jupiter and the second age of exploration was in full effect. During this period, the major nations were gaining considerable expertise in space travel within the solar system. It was during this time that the first true space habitats were established at the Earth-Moon-like range points of L4 and L5. Settlements on the Moon and Mars also began to prosper. The European Space Agency and its members, France, Bavaria, Great Britain, and Oceania, led the way and prospered for its efforts. The eclipse of France. Under the French peace, the nations of the world were able to recover and prosper. Inevitably, some came to resent French domination and as they become more powerful, they competed for power and influence with France. At the same time, the burdens of world leadership proved very costly to France, already economically stretched in mounting exploration missions throughout the solar system. By 2150, French power in the world was decaying. Other nations were quick to side against France in minor disputes. In one conflict, Argentina and its allies defeated the French-led forces aiding in the Rio Plata Wars. This humiliation marked a low point in French prestige and brought about a collapse in the French government, as well as reorientation of government policies. It was the end of the French peace and the beginning of a new era of global conflict. The Rio Plata Wars. Conflict on Earth during this century was dominated by a series of wars between Brazil and Argentina, although the conflict in the Central Asian Republic had far greater consequences. The Rio Plata Wars were for territory and seesawed between the two nations in three wars that collectively spanned over nine years, and tensions that spanned over fifty. By the end of the Third War, Argentina was able to create the Incan Republic in an attempt to reduce Brazil's power in the northern part of South America. The terms of the final treaty saw Brazil lose the headwaters of the Amazon to the nascent nation, a calculated move designed to humiliate them. The decline of nationalism. Easy travel on and off Earth enabled many people to maintain mobile lifestyles without the need for a permanent residence. Some people, such as explorers, starship crew and orbital workers found themselves taxed on the basis of geography but not receiving any real benefit from those taxes. Others found deference and status came with national citizenship rather than merit. Some interest groups created their own non-territorial nations to better protect their interests.
others rejected nationality completely. At the same time, more people came to philosophically reject nationalism, finding more in common with ethnic, religious, ethical or professional values. The proper national citizenship remained a convenience and the wrong one could be a hindrance. But many people had come to feel that there were higher values than mere geographic allegiance. The Central Asian War The Central Asian War eventually involved France, Bavaria, Russia and Japan arrayed against the Imperial Armies of Manchuria. Manchuria lost the war but French prestige was broken as they were forced to accept Japanese assistance to drive the Manchurian forces out of the Central Asian Republic. It was the first time since twilight that so many countries had been involved in one massive conflict and there were persistent fears that one side or the other would utilize nuclear weapons to bring the war to a close. Thankfully, that turned out not to be the case. German Reunification For centuries, the shattered German nation was content to live in the shadow of France. Regions such as Bavaria benefited from a close relationship with France, while others such as Westphalia struggled to chart their own course. The French client state of Bavaria enjoyed membership in ESA, flew starships under its own national colors and colonized worlds under other suns. The other German states alternately allied with France and Bavaria, with other powers or chose their own paths. In the 2280s, with growing sentiment for reunification, all the German nations but Bavaria accepted a call from Westphalia to unite. They then mobilized to bring Bavaria into the German nation, as Bavaria by itself was nearly equal in population to the rest of the German states. French objections produced the short war of German reunification in 2292, in which France was defeated and forced to accept the creation of a new German state. This war was far from a conventional one, with many battles waged in infospace and mimetic campaigns raged back and forth in attempts to sway public opinion. Despite the hyperbole, actual military engagements were minimal and only occurred in the final weeks of the war, when German units drove deep into France and what many have dubbed as a propaganda raid. That France was defeated only due to her heavy involvement across the globe and on her colonies is not often mentioned. The French Empire. Costly French victory in the Central Asian War in 2287 produced well-grounded charges of poor support and supply for the army. In 2289, the army staged the coup, which throughout the 12th Republic and established a system of monopolies in vital industries. These monopolies were profitable for the contractors, but inefficient sources of supply. As a solution, the junta simply printed money to pay national debts. The result was runaway inflation and tremendous social unrest. When the armed forces could not stop or win the War of German Unification or the Flemish War of Independence, which followed late in 2293, the army was forced to allow free elections, which were manipulated to bring Nicholas Ruffin, a prominent industrialist and free market advocate, to power. Under his policies, the French economy 
rebounded dramatically. Careful media handling in the years. Leading up to the 2,298 election produced a French population. Receptive to the idea of establishing a new empire. Inclusion of. The question in a plebiscite attached to the 2,298 elections led to. The formation of the Third Empire, with Ruffin as the emperor. By late 2,298. The Chamber of Deputies, who appointed Ruffin. Hoped to use him as a figurehead, a central rallying point for the. Ideals of French nationalism. Ruffin, however, may well have. Other ideas. The rise of transcore and elevation. As nationalism fell, transnational corporations rose to prominence and sometimes filled power vacuums left by failing or withdrawing states. One such transcorp, elevation, tried to harness the optimism and humanity of its founder, Marcus Edvin, for good. Having become one of the most well-known and wealthiest individuals in the solar system, he decided humanity needed a cause to unite behind to both set aside differences and to unlock our true potential. He set his sights on SETI as that cause and poured a significant portion of his personal wealth into creating elevation. He personally financed the construction of Farsight Station in orbit around Triton with the express purpose of seeing further into deep space than had ever been seen before. Rumors also existed that elevation researchers may have pioneered technological breakthroughs in rift drive technology, but that was never confirmed. Part of that lack of confirmation was because Marcus Edvin, seeing that his efforts weren't uniting humanity as he might have imagined, staged a publicity event where he claimed he would make the first voyage outside of the solar system. The ship seemed to experience some unknown rift drive effect before it vanished in an intense flash of light. Scientists and engineers believe his ship was vaporized during some core engine failure. His daughter, Jai Jules Edvin hopes against hope that her father's trip out of the solar system was successful and he's out there still. Her brother, Horace, has never publicly commented one way or the other. With Marcus gone, Elevation is now run by Jules and Horace, with Jules managing the bulk of the operation and Horace managing Farsight Station itself. Rumors persist that Elevation is but a shadow of its former glory, but other rumors and conspiracy theories also persist about what happened to Marcus and what that means for the future of Elevation.